Blog Talk Radio. Dolphins 
asked him to throw, allegedly asked him to throw, allegedly asked him to throw games for $100,000 a pop. Now, for me, if I'm Brian Farrell's, the reason I'm turning your ass in because I'm insulted that you asked him, you offered my ass only $100,000 a game when I know you probably offering people out here more. <laughs> oh, God, I, I'm, I'm crazy. Anyway, but that is the bombshell out of all this because for years, for years people have been saying the NFL is WWF. No more than wrestling. Fixed. Now, you know, in the back of my mind, I've always kind of thought all of sports was fixed. I, you know, I'm a co- in my head, I'm a conspiracy theorist. But this week, after Brian Flores came out and said what he said, oh, I totally think it's fixed now. And I don't think it's just fixed because, see, let me tell you this. All the sports places, all the sports arenas and stuff, all the sports casters, because they got something to lose too. Because if the NFL is fixed, well, damn it, it's going to be hard to be on. A lot of sports shows are about NFL time. So, it, it, you know, it's a, it's not an incentive for them to for for them to to really investigate the NFL being fixed, but because cause it doesn't help them. But when I really think about it, like I, you know, I try to throw it out of my head because I'm, I love football. But I try to throw it out of my head, even though in the back of my head it's always been there. But when I really think about it, would you leave billions of dollars to chance? I mean, and it's not just about you winning. I mean, for lottery picks. That's not why I think it's done. I think it's done for a variety of reasons. Because anytime you have markets connected where you got cities connected to uh, stadiums and a certain big markets, little markets, and <coughs> excuse me, guys, and you have to, uh, and you have to, um, you have to guarantee, you know, that these these stadiums and places are successful. I thought to myself, if the NFL probably wasn't fixed, allegedly fixed, you would probably see a lot more, a lot more. This is my personal opinion. You would probably see a lot more teams folding, a lot of less cities having teams because everything is is, is such big money from the product, from when they move to a city. I mean, when I think about uh, teams like the Chiefs, and cowboys and stuff like that, and how much they identify with the cities and how much cities put into them and put into stadiums and stuff like that. At some point in the game, you might have to, you might have to rig it. I mean, if the Kansas City Chiefs don't win one for 50 years, you got to be like, you know, those fans have been out there. At some point, you may have to throw a game to get them in or throw a lottery or throw something. You you guys see what I'm saying? We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the game. But that doesn't, I mean, a little bit later on in the show, but that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all, okay, just not at all. And a lot of people were talking about, you know, the NFL being rigged after the Chiefs game. To uh, Tampa last week You know the Chiefs didn't It was sad I mean it was sad It was sad It was sad to watch It was sad to see The Chiefs lost the championship game To Cincinnati Bengals And 
it was so strange because, you know, Patrick Mahomes, a number of times he was right there at the end zone. And now this is Patrick Mahomes. If it had been anybody else, I would have been like, eh, you know. And I was trying to think in my head. I was trying to say it wasn't fixed, you know. I was trying in my head. But the more I watched the people's tapes and stuff on, on I mean, you know, he could have had a bad game. I don't, I don't deny that. But the more and more I watched people's tapes, it was just, it was just shocking that Patrick Mahomes didn't make the play. It's like the Bengals tried to give him the game like five times, and he didn't take it. And with easy plays that he could have very well one play, he could have very well run in his damn self. I mean, it was kind of crazy. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on into the show. So that's one of the things that big things has come out. Black History Month. You know what? You know, God got God God got a God funny. God funny. Gotta get God got a sense of humor, even for people who do it wrong. God like, mm-hmm, Black History Month. NFL out here acting crazy. They gonna have a hip hop, a all hip hop halftime. I got something for them. <laughs> And if I'm people in the NFL, you know, if I'm in the hip-hop halftime, I will say this. Mary J. Blige, I would not, for, for somebody like Mary J. Blige, I would not, I would not, and this is my personal opinion, because Mary J. Blige's career, in my opinion, is on the trajectory up. And they're letting Mary J. Blige, who is the queen of hip-hop soul, do one song. Now, you know, listen, listen, you know my suspicions. You know where my suspicions lie, right? You know what I was thinking. Because I was like, did that motherfucking Beyonce do one song? <laughs> Y'all know where I was with this, right? Okay, you know, even though Jay-Z wasn't over it with Beyonce, he wasn't over the entertainment part of it or his company wasn't over it. The thing is, Mary J. Blige comes in, she's relegated to one song. This is the queen of hip-hop soul. I don't give a care. I don't give a... To me, the whole halftime should have been hers with rappers supporting her. Like rappers coming out to support Mary J. But, you know, they would would not do that. They won't do that. He won't... He does not want to do that with another female celebrity, black, especially a black one. I think he's done done it a couple times with people who are offshoots. But he won't do that because he wants his wife to be the brand. We could tell the way he was talking reckless about Michael Jackson, right? That's my personal opinion. But if I'm Mary J. Blige after hearing this news and stuff like that, I'm actually sitting there. I wouldn't even go to the Super Bowl. I would be like, you know what, I changed my mind about performing. The NFL needs to get his shit together. And plus, they only gave you one son. And I know Mary J is thinking, this is a big stage for me. And it might be too late. I get it. But she's probably thinking, this is a big stage for me. I've never had it this big. Oh, I'm so grateful for Jay-Z. Jay-Z, to suck, Jay-Z can suck an egg. Jay-Z, you should have had the whole halftime. This is how great Mary J. Blige is, in my personal opinion, or how great that they made her. My music. Okay. But she should have, she has so many hits. She has so many, I mean, she's such an icon in hoods all across the country. She's a super ghetto star. She's a ghetto superstar. Even though she's crossing everybody, people know who Mary J. Blige is on the crossover. But to me, she should have that that stage. That stage should be completely hers. 
with with other with her with rapper guests. However, it wasn't, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But I think I understand why it's not completely yours, Mary J. And this wouldn't be the year I'd want to perform halftime. And isn't it ironic that halftime is is hip hop, is hip hop, and <laughs> all this stuff that come out like about the NFL? We look like damn fools performing. <laughs> it's facts. We look crazy. But, you know, this is what happens when some people, I feel when you get entangled up with certain people. But I digress. Okay. Uh, my week, man, my week has been going really good, you guys. I've been, you know, I've been doing classes online. Next week we start back to going to class. You know what I hate? Let me just say this. And let me just say when we start off, I hate when you start off online and you gotta now you gotta carry your ass back to the class. I gotta get my myself hyped back up to carry myself back in a classroom when I'm so used to working from home and stuff like that. I'm kind of pissed about it a little bit. However, because I feel like they shouldn't have, we should have started off at class. I, I, or just keep it, or just just keep it like that. Certain classes, maybe just don't bring back, only bring back at a certain capacity. But you know, who am I? You know, I think it's crazy because everybody, because it's funny how COVID suddenly disappearing at a certain date. Like isn't it strange now? It's COVID got a certain date that's gonna disappear allegedly, and sometime after February something. So suddenly there's, you know, now everybody free, which is. Uh, which is weird because, you know, I've been seeing a lot of 5G stuff come up. You know, I'm going to just shut up because y'all, y'all don't want to hear that, that scenario. But, listen, all I'm just saying is it's just a wow that now suddenly, now we're going to have people rolling out that, oh, COVID is done and come back out to your houses and, you know. You know, they tried to do the opposite and it wasn't working. So apparently now there's a date they're going to have where they're going to roll back out the whole thing. I was not going to be playing with y'all because I got stuff to do. So I wasn't ready. I was ready. I was like, listen, here, let's let's hurry up and get this show back on the road. <laughs> this whole thing. So it's, it's it's strange, though. So, But I'm just trying to hype my energy up for that because I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just a lot. It takes a lot from you. So it is what it is. But... Yeah, so, so far that's been great in my week. Oh, it is Power Weekend. Y'all think I forgot? Child, I am so excited. Power Weekend, Power last week was great. I'm so happy to get to talk to you guys about it. Man, so if you've been watching Power Book Ghost 2, let's just say, I know people are, keep trying, there are certain people who I feel like are kind, you know, they don't understand the beauty of, how can I explain this? The beauty of of Courtney Kemp continuing the story of Ghost without bringing up Amori Hardrick all the time. It's like they want Amori Hardrick to be alive. He, I like his character to be alive. I like the character of Ghost. Well, no, I didn't. I, I like the character. But I thought the character was kind of crazy. Okay, but I am actually I love how they have. Have, they have done such a fabulous job, the writers and the production team, of character development with Tyreek and these new characters they brought to the stage. And it isn't a crazy show. This show has gotten so good 
over the, especially the last year. Last year was good, but this year has gotten even better. It's like on a progression. I don't think it needs Omori Hardrick back right now. And if Ghost comes back, I don't think he needs to come back to almost the end, if he is alive. I don't think he needs to be a character there. I'm ready to hear a new story. And that's Tyreek's story. And I can't wait to hear Tommy's story because Tommy of Force is coming out tonight, right? So I'm excited about that, too. So I wish y'all stopped talking about Ghost. Ghost for now, even he came on last week talking, I'm dead. I'm dead as fuck. That's what he said. <laughs> Amori Hardrick was like, I'm dead. But I like the fact that even if he's not, I don't think he should come back anytime soon. I love how they have this going, this progression going. And you know what? They obviously are doing a good job because within the last year, I've even seen more people. This year I saw Power Book Ghost 2 trending more, the characters from it, than I did last year. And I'm seeing people kind of being excited on Courtney Kemp's lives and stuff like that. And there is just this, they've done just such a great job of the character of Mary J. Blige plays Monet is a great character. Method Man plays the uh, the lawyer. I mean, there is so many great characters in this new one. Let it breathe without yelling on Maury Hardrick every ten minutes. I actually love the way they're going with this. I really do. I think that uh, uh, we need to just go on the journey with uh, that power. If you're a power fan, you need to just. Go on the journey of Power Book Ghost to see where this story goes, <laughs> right? And then let's see how, where the Force goes. You know, I love Canaan too. I love the story of Canaan actually. So, I, I you know, I'm actually, I kind of, I really love how she spread out all the stories, like every la- like how she developed them into this Power Universe world. So, you know, uh, that's pretty dope. Even though, listen, I was talking the other week about how we notice, like, subtle racism in different shows. I noticed it with Courtney Kim. Don't get me wrong, okay? Just like I noticed it with um, with uh, the, the what's the woman um, who wrote, uh, who, who wrote, and she's a great writer, wrote Grey's Anatomy and um, uh, uh, Scandal. I noticed with her. I mean, lots of innuendos, I mean, like sometimes racial innuendos. And I don't know if the if casting people were pressured to cast a certain way so these shows can be on the air. But I did notice that. I always thought, why did Angela Valdez, you know, Angela in the story had to be a Hispanic, a, a more white Hispanic-looking chick, and she had to influence ghosts for the good. But here's Tasha, a, 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 a black girl who's from the streets, who's very smart, by the way, but had to influence ghosts for the bad. I used to, I noticed all that. Listen, I noticed those things, okay? I noticed how Tommy, all the, all the uh, Negroes involved in the drug trade, <laughs> except for Tyreek, ended up dead. But Tommy's driving, Tommy, who was the most reckless killer of them all, driving his ass out west, right, at the end of the show. I, I was laughing. I said, hey, that's just like the white man to get away with everything. <laughs> because really, if you ever... The story, if you ever heard the story of the, the 80s of the CIA and that, you know, that in the CIA, even though Tommy's not this type of character, but you see it in Snowfall, if you watch Snowfall. Snowfall is kind of based off of a semi, kind of based off of a, allegedly based off of a semi-true story. They're kind of basing it off of the whole Ricky Ross story that, you know, about the, the CIA director, because everybody knows 
you know, that allegedly Ronnie was a drug dealer, Ronald Reagan on the side, him and Oliver North. <clears throat> anyway, that's how allegedly they fund the Iran-Contra affair, okay? So when you, so the crack bomb didn't just happen. Okay, so when you see Snowfall, you're seeing a story loosely based on that that story, Okay. However, I know I do notice Tommy like that story. He's running off into the sunset. Allows I do notice the racial and and I think we as black people should notice them. I always say I always pay attention to what I'm watching, what messages they are sending me. I I look at them now, even though I think the, I love the, the writer development. Cause I I love great writers, so I'm attracted to great writing. So when uh when even in music. I love great lyrics. When I in music, you you I mean, you have a song with great lyrics. I'm like, oh my god! Sometimes they don't even have to have a great beat. The lyrics should just be beautiful, you know, for me. Uh, but I know I do notice those things and power and stuff like that. And I notice the I, I, uh, some racial dynamics and stuff like that. I do see it. However, I don't know how they're pressured in those ways or whatever, but what I will say is I do appreciate that Courtney Kemp is developing her characters well, you know, that the writing is good. You know, because we got some shows on TV with uh, all black characters, black women, and the writing is hideous, okay? So I like a good, uh, good, a good when you're telling me a good story and it's written well. But I do notice the little innuendos and certain things. Don't don't get that twist. <laughs> I I do notice that stuff. All right. So what power is coming on tonight? Power last last week. Power was uh, pretty uh, powerful. We uh, see Zeke get uh, Zeke met his parent. No, you know, went to talk to Monet and uh, 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 Mecca. Now here's my thing. I would have been gone if I was Zeke. Because, you know, the unrealistic thing, you might, if you can play good, you might not get in the NBA for a second. Maybe you might not get in for about six months. But the truth is, if Zeke is that good, shit, it wouldn't care. They wouldn't care if he was 24. So that storyline is kind of going to shit. If I was Zeke, I'd be on the next plane out away from their crazy asses, okay? But I don't know. I got a feeling I'm hoping not. But the character of Zeke might go. I re- Let me just say this about this this guy who plays Zeke too. I don't know what his real name is. Daniel something, I think his real name is. But I saw his music video the other day. That guy can sing. He can sing his ass off. If y'all ever see, go look at look him up online. His I forget his name, but the guy who plays Zeke on 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 Power. Oh my God, beautiful voice, beautiful. I mean, gorgeous voice. So uh, ch- check out his his song. I mean, I was actually really impressed. I was like, oh, my God, his, his voice is gorgeous. His voice is wonderful. But, yeah, but the, 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 the sh- this the, this last episode, I feel, was that that link to between 8 and 9. I mean, it was really good. We see Lauren come, you know, we see Effie come and take Lauren. We don't know if Effie got rid of Lauren. We don't know what the hell happened. So it's, I'm really interested. Ten is going to be very interesting how they're going to wrap up this season of Ghost Power. I feel like they can go so many ways with this show. I feel like where they couldn't go as many ways with Power, 
because power, let me just say this, power was limited to that world, but I feel like with Tyreek and Tommy over in Force, you can cross these shows every now and then. And I feel like power, just the characters and Tyreek can go so many places. And I feel like this season for uh, Courtney Kemp and her gang is a pivotal season to me. What they do with next season is going to be pretty powerful because this can go more places than what even power went. I feel like it can go, it's, it's a lot more flexible than power. So hopefully they don't mix, mix up their flexibility uh, that they have, uh, they they created. Hope I hope they don't mess it up by throwing in dumb storylines and stuff like that. Because I actually see a number of places that they can go in this new story of Power Book Ghost. Okay, including eventually bringing Ghost back. But I would say it needs to be close to the end. All right. So yeah. So I'm excited about that. I was excited. I'm excited about the Power Book Weekend. Uh, Janet. Documentary was on last week. We got we got to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that. I'm saving that. I'll talk about it a little. It wasn't any surprises to me. I do love that she had a lot of videos, and there it was some emotional death behind what she was saying. Okay, uh, was there anything bombshells or anything she dropped? No. She did throw shade, Tari and shade. She did, she did, because I noticed the Tori and shade. There was two Tori and shade. Bobby, the um, the omitting of Bobby Brown, which I think she should stop doing that, okay, because we know you was messing with Janet. We know you was allegedly out in the streets messing with Bobby, okay? Stop this madness. And the just acting like your last husband didn't exist. <laughs> She didn't even mention his ass. I mean, his ass was like, she threw his ass. Like, his ass was nothing. Like, his ass was up. His ass didn't even show up anywhere. In, I mean, she didn't say nothing about his ass. I mean, I'm like, damn it. Wait a minute. Hold on. You have a whole nother marriage. <laughs> yeah, like, she ain't even worth talking. I ain't going to even mention his ass. Okay. I don't even mention I was married to this ass. That settlement must have been so good that they told you you can't even mention his name. I mean, damn. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Okay. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And what what I will say is this. I'm going to say that because we talk about Renee. What Janet? What happened to Janet Jackson is what happened to so many women when they try to marry men, certain type of men, and they don't let them have their own way. They start putting them in their shit, you know, trying to help let them work. When they marry men, they know don't have as much money or as much power as them in some sort of way, and they start trying to fuck with their stuff. That's what happened with Janet and Renee. Even though Jack, Renee was creative and stuff like that, but he should have been doing that shit on his own. And then Janet found him or something like that. But I always go south when you try to give him a job. Mm-mm. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But this week we're going to go into It's the Word. And, you know, my It's the Word this week, I really, 
I don't really know. I don't really know. You know, I'm going to tell y'all, I was stunned this week when I read, and maybe I was stunned because I was looking at this young lady and I was going, she's so, I mean, this young lady who was so beautiful and this week, the former Miss USA 2019, we all heard about the story now. She went and jumped off of, I think, 29th floor, 30th floor in New York City of her apartment building, jumped to her death. And I'm telling you, I this week I was sort of like, my God, why would she... Lord, and I know, you know what, listen, I'm a very, I'm an empathic person, a very spiritual person, so sometimes I can feel, like, I felt the energy just a few weeks ago, because something happened with me, and sometimes, listen, I want to say this to people, and I share a lot with y'all on this show, I talk to y'all about a lot of things, because I want to help people, I realize that sometimes people are listening to my show, and they get help from it, and, you know, I want you guys to be, uh, I, sometimes I may trigger y'all. I feel, listen, if I trigger you, I apologize for that, but I'm a very straight-up person. I don't, you know, I don't hold no punches on here, okay? But I also want to encourage you. And um, I, I know that sometimes in my own life, just a few weeks ago, I could feel this spirit, like the spirit of suicide over January. There was this, you know, because there's some spirit come out to hunt, come out to, 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 to hunt during a certain season or a certain time. And I remember, you know, you can feel them spirits. You can feel them. You can literally feel them. And it was a lot of death by suicide. And now, yeah, I know some of the Illuminati, hey, I don't put nothing past anything in the world no more. I know some of the uh, my Illuminati people and my uh, sacrifice people was up there talking about Jumanji and my Jumanji people <laughs> throwing out Jumanji numbers and talking about, Oh, this was a sacrifice or whatever. Hey, I don't know. I'm just going to talk about it from the perspective of what we do, though, okay? But I did feel there was an energy of suicide. And really, let me tell you something. If people are operating in occultism and the spirit world and stuff, you know, people can psychically attack you. They don't have to They don't have to come kill you. They don't have to come do nothing. They can, psychically, they can spiritually and psychically attack you, okay? So that's why I say always guard your spirit, man. I had something happen a few weeks ago to my, about a week or two with, with myself where somebody spiritually, psychically attacked. I could feel it. It was a spiritual attack on me. And I remember feeling very sad. And that energy, I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Uh-uh, you know, because y'all, you know, I don't play that. <laughs> right, so the... Uh, 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 I, I, I feel I'm very sensitive to spirits of suicide. I had two people in my family who allegedly committed suicide, so I'm very, I'm very sensitive to those spirits, and so I can feel that energy around in the in these in the atmosphere. And uh, listen, let me tell you something. Let me just say to you, I can't say it no other way. Unless you clinically depressed, if you clinically depressed, that's a different story. Clinical depression is a whole other story. Go get you some help. Go get some medication. Go get help, okay, from a doctor. But for all you other people out there who's just depressed about life shit, okay, because this is an ugly time. We in an ugly space in the world today. It is an ugly space. It is a. It is a. There is a controlling Jezebelic spirit in 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 the air right now. A spirit of control, even from the government. All kind of where people don't feel like they own their selves or their lives anymore. Okay, that's done on purpose, by the way. I mean, you know, so 
let me just say to you to you guys that life is always worth living. You don't never know. You don't know what the next five minutes is going to bring. You don't know what the next 10 minutes, the next 15 minutes, the next 20, the next 30 minutes. You don't know what the next day is going to bring. And so if you fucked up about some shit in the now or some shit from the past, it is not worth you taking your life force for, taking your life force. Don't do that to yourself. Give yourself an opportunity to move forward. And this young lady, she said something. She said something they said that was on her Instagram feed. And, I, and I'm not trying to, and I don't want to hurt nobody's family or anything like that, and I'm not trying to do that. I don't know what happens in the afterlife or none of that. But what she did say is, may this day bring you uh, the rest and peace or something like that. I, can't, I gotta look it up. May this day bring you peace or whatever. But you don't know what you're stepping into. Let me just tell you this. Eternity, how you step into eternity is important. How you enter the spirit realm is important. How you transport into it is important. Transport. I've been to, let me just say this, even as a child I knew. And I'm just talking to you all about my spiritual side where I've been to, I don't really like sometimes to go to, um, I'm very particular about going to uh, uh, wakes and funerals because I feel like spirits are even in there. I don't, I'm really funny about that because I feel like it's ritualistic and stuff like that. But what I will say is even when I had a child, you could see when I, I could see in people's faces when I, when I would go to funerals when somebody is into the spiritual world and trauma. You could see it on their face. I don't care how good they try to make it up, try to fake the body left in trauma. And so I'm not just I'm not saying that, you know, God is not a, the, the spirit of God is not on the other end to welcome you in to heaven and all that stuff. I'm saying be very careful how you go into the spiritual realm. It is a deadly thing to fall into the hands of a living God, right? So I always tell people how you enter that space. It doesn't mean you're going to necessarily get peace because it is another life on the other side. And how you live this life is very important to that next life. I know they, I know they, I know everybody got different spiritual beliefs, but I'm just trying to tell you what I believe, okay? How you live in this realm is very important how you go into the next realm. I try to tell myself that because sometimes I'm in traumatic energy and stuff like that, and you have to be very careful to take care of your spirit, man, because it can happen to anybody. Anybody can get so that they feel overwhelmed and feel like taking themselves out. That can happen to anyone, the strongest people, okay? And it's important to express your feelings, express that if you hurt or express what's hurting you, or at least even if you have one person you go to or a couple of people you go to. You know what I'm saying? You might not go to everybody, but you have somebody that you do express yourself to, okay? Sometimes I'm a, I'm a Scorpio, too. You know, we, we sometimes be trying to keep our stuff in, but so I do have people that I, I go to. So what I will say is that be very careful how how you treat yourself right now, even from things that you're dealing with stuff from the past and from you you have childhood trauma that's so overwhelming that it overwhelms your now. 
is talk to somebody about that. Use it as a healing, uh, a, a space of healing. Maybe you say, hey, well, Carl, you know what, if I talk about my family trauma, it's going to be very exposing. It may hurt people and everything. Listen, I'm not trying to get you to expose, hurt people or whatever. There are way, there's a way you can talk about your trauma without, uh, I, I guess, dragging people through the mud, okay? So, so find ways to express yourself in trauma and help other people. There are groups. There are things to get out of self-hurt and to get out there and help others. Because I guarantee you, whatever trauma you've been through, it's people that have been through it too. You ain't alone. So I just want to read this story. It says, former USA Chelsea Chris shared concerns about aging prior to suicide. Now, listen, I don't believe that anybody killed themselves just because they're scared of aging. I feel like there's probably a number of things going on there. But it says, um, Chelsea Chris is, and this is according to NewsNation.com, it says, Chelsea Chris openly worried about aging and society's treatment of older women. An essay, the late, uh, the late Miss USA winner wrote, Last year has some loved ones wondering if those feelings contributed to her suicide. In March 2021, issue of Allure Chelsea wrote, <clears throat> Each time I say I'm turning 30, I cringe a little. Sometimes I can successfully mask the uncomfortable response with excitement. Other times my enthusiasm feels hollow like bad acting. Chelsea, who turned 30 in April 2021, was already concerned about what came along with the aging process. She added, society has never been kind to those growing old, especially women. As we reported, Chelsea, who was Miss USA 2019, uh, fell to her death Sunday morning from her uh, midtown New York City apartment building. She reportedly left a note saying she was leaving everything to her own mother, but the note had no explanation for the suicide. Now, I don't know if it was suicide. That's what we thinking it was, okay? Uh, women, you know, let me stop here. Women seldom go up to the, she lived on the ninth floor. Now, I ain't trying to make no puns here, but I'm like, the ninth floor would have did it. But they said she walked up to the 29th and jumped her. That, that doesn't sound right for women to me. Women usually don't do stuff like that. Women usually take pills and stuff like that. So there must have been a lot going on to, to do that. In that manner, there had to be so much pain, you know what I'm saying, just pain, okay? So that's why I'm saying it's, it's important to express yourself and take care of yourself and not put on no masks with people, with a lot of people. You have certain people you take your mask off with and you talk to because it can make you go so so hurtful, get so cra- that you take yourself and do something that you would never expect yourself, you would never do, you know what I'm saying? So it's. Or it's, it, w- it will just drive you to doing something where you think you just want to shed it all down. But it says her final Instagram post, uh, it says, uh, uh, it, says where, uh, it says her final uh, Instagram post, which made within hours of her death, included a caption, may this day bring you rest and peace, Okay. And what I, t- I just want to stop with that, that's because I just talked to you all about that. And I just want to say to you guys, I'm not talking about people who are clinically depressed and who can't help certain neurons and stuff like that, things going on in the brain and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are having trauma in, this, in their lifetime and living a certain way and being in a certain way. Be careful how you enter the spirit realm. 
Like she said, may this day bring you peace and rest. That's that. That's another life there. It's not just a day. You don't just go up into the dead, dead walk into the into the spirit realm. Y'all need to learn more about the spirit. You don't just walk into the spirit, the spirit realm. There are there, the spirit realm is as real as the realm you living in right now. As a matter of fact, it dictates to this realm. And so that doesn't. It's a, it's a it's a it's an extension of life, but without out of the body. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're walking into peace. And remember that unless you believe in now, and even if you believe in uh, uh, several different lives, like just to say, for instance, if you believe in a person, you're a person that believes in uh, different lives, it's not really a good thing. People who believe in the, uh, having many lives, you coming back is it's, what really is important is ascension. You know, you're not coming back, <laughs> right? You ascend to the highest realm and to glory or whatever. But if you believe in many lifetimes, coming back in the next, it's not, you know, that's not supposedly, reincarnation is not a good thing in the spirit in the spirit realm, really. Okay? It means that you didn't complete something and you come back in, come back in, if you believe in that thing. Okay? Now, if you believe that if you get only one life and you enter into the spirit realm, and the spirit realm is an eternal place, you 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 guys hear what I'm saying? It's eternity. So whatever traumas and stuff you had, and if you didn't, and I don't know what her thing was at the last minute of her life, so it ain't my business. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, if you did not contend with that in your earthly life, you may take that trauma and things over into eternity. Okay. Because the eternal realm is not an end to life. It is an end to your, you, the, when you get into the eternal realm, it is the end to your physical life on this earth. But your spirit man is eternal. So that's why I wanted you guys to understand that. Look, when I saw that statement, I really wanted to say to people, because if you're thinking about that and you're thinking something's going to bring you rest and peace, well, I don't know. That's all I'm just saying. Okay, and I don't want to hurt her family members or anything like that, but I want to talk to the people who are in the living and they hurting and to contend with your hurt and contend with your pain and stuff because you don't know what's on that other that other realm or that other plane, okay? Uh, it says, uh, in the essay, the accomplished attorney also shared some angst over chasing accomplishments. She wrote, why earn more achievements just to collect another win? Why pursue another plaque or media or line item on my resume if it's for uh, vanity sakes rather than out of passion? Why work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society to want when I continue to only find emp- emptiness? Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and reading her words in a lure essay in the Allure essay could seem like a cry for help. At just 30 years old, Chelsea was practicing attorney, had wrote Miss USA, uh, t- had won the Miss USA title, was an Emmy-nominated correspondent for Extra. She also poured a lot of time and effort into supporting social justice reforms. But in Allure, it's clear she still wrestled with the feelings of emptiness despite her achievements. As she wrote, too often I noticed that only people in Pressed by an accomplishment were those who wanted it for themselves. 
Meanwhile, I was rewarded with a lonely craving for the next award. Um, some would see that this hunger and um, and label it competitive competitiveness. Others might call it the unique, the unquenchable thirst for of insecurity. Wow, wow, that's very. First of all, let me just say this: she was very beautiful. She had beautiful. She was a think, deep thinker. That's a very, that's a very deep. A thoughtful place to go and to look at um, to, to to assess yourself in that way. Um, so today's it's a word kind of, and this is this your. I'm in the it's a word. I'm gonna say something the old folks used to tell me, and it's in the Bible. And I've been thinking about it a lot this week for myself, and I'm like, God, you know, Lord, I'm I struggle sometimes, Father, with just the. Life is just a short Life, it could be good days. You got bad days, good days. It's more good days than bad, though, you know, for myself. But I'm just saying that you can have some days that one of you where you go, whew, you know what I'm saying? And um, the old folks used to say something, like in my family, it's a Bible scripture they used to say, and different people would say. And it's a Bible scripture. It's a scripture in the Bible that says, unless the Lord built the house. They that labor, labors in vain. And that's all I kept thinking when I kept hearing this young lady's story because she was she was talking about her the emptiness of achieving, and that no matter how many awards she got, she was worried about her face. She was worried about getting older. She was worried about, and I get it because I do the same thing. All women, when I turned twenty five, I was freaked out. <laughs> when I turned, when I turned, I'm kind of freaked out about 50. <laughs> I'm glad it's coming, but I'm like, you know, whoa. <laughs> right? So I understand that. I understand the fear of it. And men, especially you got this man spirit out here talking about people hitting the wall and all this stuff. And, you know, it's just a very, there is this idea that older women, after a certain point, you you know they throw you away, you know, or you are nobody. You're not important. Or as an older woman, don't you dare try to uh, live a new life after 45. If you're in a bad relationship, or if you're in a, you better take what you can get and all that stuff. I you hear all kind of stuff. I, I listen to all kind of stuff, man, spirit stuff. I mean, you would be, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that they say. And you know what? Some of it is true. As you get older. It is harder to have relationships if you're single, if you're this and that, or you know what I'm saying, if you're uh, uh, different things. It, that, that's a fact of life. You know, some people, that's how <clears throat> sometimes it is out in these streets, okay? Uh, and so people, they will say all kind of things to the older woman to make the older woman very afraid of aging, or younger women very afraid of aging. But I always tell people, well, you know what the alternative is, right? <laughs> you want to stay young forever. You you risk uh, you risk not evolving and growing. And uh, I'm going to get back to the, what the old folks say about unless God builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor labors in vain. Because this is something I've been thinking about. It's something I'm wrestling with. I tell you, I wrestle with it all the time, all the time. God, my way or your way. <laughs> You know, so listen. First, I just want to hit the aging part. I mean, there's not there's some days, and especially 
if people think you're pure pretty or they think you're nice looking or you you know what I'm saying. I mean, there and there and I'll tell you, I I have fun with myself now. I've been become because I went through a few years where I really had I really had really gotten down on myself. So I have a lot of fun. I do I do modeling stuff, modeling stuff. I take some fun selfies. I do stuff like that because I really didn't like myself for a number of years for a little while. And so I'm just now finding the girl who used to like herself in her 20s. You know what I'm saying? More so now I'm finding her again. I'm like okay. Yeah, so I'm fine. So I'm finding her again. But there is also times of growing older when I go and I look at my face and I see a line there that I didn't see before. I might see this here. It might be harder when I wake up in the morning. You know, if I don't get sleep, I got more bags <laughs> or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm to cover more makeup and stuff like that. But I also understand that the evolution of life isn't just about my face. It isn't just about um, if I can bear children or not, or if I can, you know what I'm saying, that God had purpose when he decided to bring me here. And that was to go on a journey in this life for whatever he, to meet him in this life as I would meet him spiritually and what he would have me do with that life. And so I would say to so many younger women out here who are afraid of the process of aging, yes, aging is different. You wake up some days and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I got this pain I ain't had before. <laughs> or you got this little this and that here and there. But there, I mean, you know, or different things. But it's, it is a journey of evolution in this lifetime. And there's so much to aging I can talk about because really, you know, if you're a Christian and you believe, you know, you know the Christian uh, lore, the Christian stories about aging is that, you know, you were never really supposed to age. Aging is a is a is a is a is actually like clothes, a, a badge of sin. Actually, here, uh, aging is 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 really um, how can I say? Um, uh, aging is is the wages of sin, death. You know, we're moving towards transformation in this life. So we are going as humans through on the spiritual side a very evolutionary process. And so every step of the way, if you want growth, some people won't grow past 25 because they'll have sicknesses and things like that that may take them out are different things, accidents, stuff like that. But for those who are to go on the journey towards their older years and to live, it is a, it is, I watch my grandparents. I knew my grandparents when they were in their 30s, when I was little. And I see them now and they're in their 80s and I'm like, wow. Sometimes I'm kind of a little bit, when I go home, I'm a little bit, sometimes taking a back watching it because I'm like, these two people who used to take care of me, now sometimes I'm the parent. I'm like, no, we can't do that. you got to do it this way. Or, no, I don't think. And it's, 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 it's sometimes jarring, you know, to watch it, even though my grandparents are very independent, okay? But, and I'm grateful for that. But there is still, while there is, there is a certain, um, 
I don't even know. I can't say sadness. There is a certain uh, thing to aging where you need people, right? You start to build more community because as you age, you get older, and you may need more people around you or more things around you to help you and stuff like that. It is still a beautiful journey. It is you still. My grandmother is still has a matriarch of our family is still needed. We still go to her for stuff. Our, my grandfather. I realize so many people don't have that. People are like, well, I wish I had my grandparents, or I wish I had this and that. You don't know how people need you in their journey, and I hate that. If this was her thought, if this was the reason she jumped off the building, I don't know what her reasons were. But I hate that she didn't see that 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 she took along with her her destiny, and I don't know her her destiny who she would have touched, who she was if she was gonna be a mother. If you're supposed to be a mother, you took you took your child with you, and maybe the generations you touch you take you take uh, touch. And I'm not here to knock anybody. I'm just trying to tell somebody out there who's hurting right now and who's thinking. Hey, I don't got nothing to live for. You don't know what you what you are a part of. You are a part of a larger thing. And what I would say is for you is to go talk to someone, especially if you especially if you're worried about things. And also understand that all the things you can build up so much success. Success really. Can I just tell you this? I've met people who've had everything. Like, you know, where I've been like, Daddy, you really got it going on. I wish I had this. You know what I'm saying? Where I've met them, and they were some of the most miserable people I have ever seen in my life. Seriously. I had everything, anything you can think of, because it's not things that make you happy. And I've met also people who didn't have nothing. And they were the most beautiful souls and just adventurous and loving life. So you can gather up things. I remember we talked about, I remember I had the, I had a, it's a word where I talked about uh, one of the things, I forget the guy's name, uh, he wrote the book, uh, uh, It All Goes Back Into the Box. Because things, when you die, remember I said death, we talked about this on the show before, death is a great equalizer. Remember I talked about Versace, I said when Versace, uh, when they, when he had gotten shot, they showed a, a very important scene in the movie where they had just left his body there on the table, like, and it was, it, it was a scene, he was just left there, like, with the, the stuff all around him and everything, and and what was Versace was no more. It was almost as if, the body was not, the body was relegated back to dust. It wasn't anything. He, it wasn't. You get, <laughs> so all the things, everything that he had, being the house of Versace, all of it, he could take none of it with him. So things will not make you happy. Now, listen, that ain't mean that I ain't telling you not to go after and have a good life. No, because, you know, you want to have a good life. You want to have some, it's good to have some, finding, get your finances right and have choices out in these streets. I ain't saying that. Yeah, I'm not, but I'm just saying to put your trust in things. People who have stuff have, Beyonce have a hard day. So especially she hear this show. <laughs> I mean, people have, people have hard times. Just because they got everything don't mean they living great. 
don't leave, mean they living their best life. That's why I hate about this generation when I see them on online. They like, at least she getting paid though. At least she getting this and that. I'm like, so that ain't that. The, some of the people who get paid are in the. They are they are the most miserable. I'm telling you that. That's what I'm going back to my. My. Uh, my, it's a word for the day. Unless the Lord built the house, they that labor, labor in vain. What does that scripture mean? It means unless God is a part of whatever you're doing, unless you have gotten, you got special purpose, you feel that purpose, because she said, I don't feel a passion for what I'm doing. I don't feel, she, that's what she was kind of saying. Unless there is God's purpose in your life, and not just passion. I'm talking about God's purpose because purpose is deeper than passion. Passion is just an engine God gives you to fulfill, help fulfill your goals, your purpose, his purpose, his goals for you. But you can be passionate about the wrong thing, right? Y'all know that about relationships. Child, I've been passionate about a lot of them. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that you, when you utilize your passion, passion is to be utilized for the purposes that God put you on the planet for. And I would just tell you to spend time finding out what God has you here for. Even your trauma, whatever you went through or whatever you're going through, has a purpose. Maybe it's a purpose to help somebody else that's been through it. Or help somebody else, not to get in your stay in yourself and be like, oh, that's happened to me. Oh my God, I can't get over. It. No, maybe it's to express yourself and to get out here and help some other child who suffered childhood trauma and say, hey, I know what it's like. I know what you're feeling. I got you. But don't rob yourself. Of the beautiful time that God has given you. It's this beautiful moment of life. Even if it feels like crap right now. Don't rob yourself of your tomorrow. Because you, you, when you do something like this. And I feel, you know why I feel like she was such a, it was such a, we are all aghast, like, not just because she's 30 and beautiful, but we're like, her destiny, what was she, what, what, what is it, what is it that you didn't, what is it that you couldn't, she didn't realize there was so much to share, that the journey doesn't just end with being young. There's so much more to life than just you didn't you to just being being uh, having it all. It's about touching people's lives. You 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 meant to touch people's lives in different ways. I remember one of the people, one of the most spiritual people I've ever known. I always talk about my spiritual mom, Mama Crutchfield. And listen, when Mama Crutchfield, Mama Crutchfield didn't have anything. When she passed away, so many people's lives she had touched. I mean, I, I, I met people, yeah, she, Mama Crutchfield preached to me on a bus stop, or Mama Crutchfield would pray for me, or <clears throat> Mama Crutchfield po- prophesied to me, or whatever. 
and this was a woman who I knew that she, it was so funny. I remember when we were, we would have conversations, me and her would go to, out to eat with each other sometimes, and we had these conversations, and sometimes she was just a little girl. You know, she had, she we had this great, big, beautiful gift, and I, I, and me and her daughter, we're still good friends and stuff like that, but she had this beautiful gift that she would, you know, she was always sharing people, but when she'd be across from one of her close friends, you know, it was, she always wanted some simple things, like, well, she, you know, I just, I might want somebody to love or somebody. She had been divorced for a while and everything. She said, but I don't know if God's having me go that way. I remember listening to her, and I'd be like, wow. But she was, but she was like, I'm okay because God has a purpose for me. And she, even this was a older, a woman growing older, and her purpose was to minister. She felt like that was her purpose. I'm, I'm here to minister to people. And I always shared that she knew that she told she told me when she was going to leave this earth. She did tell me, and she had the date and everything right. I've never seen that before. <laughs> but uh, I never I laugh about it because I never seen it. I never seen it, and I've just seen it since. But she knew her. She was done, she knew that God was finished, and she had finished her course, and she was cool with it. But she had lived one of the most beautiful, painful. It was a very painful life from the when the early on. But as she evolved and God touched her life, she started using her life and her time to minister to others. Because of her, so many other people lived. So many people didn't die. There were so many people she prayed for who didn't die. There were so many people she prayed for who she encouraged who didn't jump, kill themselves. You know, because she had a greater purpose. Her purpose just wasn't having a man or having a a, a career or having this and that. But she felt she was here to touch people. Those things pass away. Things pass away. Things get old, they break. Thieves can, uh, can break in your house and rob you of stuff. The tank, the stock market can tank in a day and you be broke. <clears throat> it is not about the accumulation of things. I know I like things. Don't get me wrong. I'm a person who loves things. I like to dress. I love all that, okay? But it's not about the accumulation of things that you have in your life. It is about how you will live your life in God's purpose for you, finding that purpose, that purpose where you touch other human beings. If you think life is just about staying youthful, and I, I'm not saying I'm not trying to knock this young lady because I don't know what was going on there, but I'm just saying if you from that essay, if you think that it's just about being young and that you know, and all these things that are fluff that when we go we can't take with us, life is about so much more, and you have to find your specific. God-given purpose for your life. Except the Lord built the house. They that labor, labor in vain. And that's what she said. She even said that in there. She said, what's it all for for vanity? Say, unless God builds the house. So I'm trying to tell myself, because I have a struggle with that. And he's like, yay, God, I don't know if I want you to build the house today. I don't know if I like your purpose. <laughs> we struggle. We all struggle with God's purpose. 
but that's how we live out our most promising destiny, and that's how we don't get, that's how we, we stay in the, um, if you're staying in purpose, it's hard to, to, to feel, sometimes it's hard for that, that, that spirit of suicide to attack you. Because you are, you on purpose, you know you got a you got a mission, you got a goal, and you like, hey, uh, uh-uh, uh, that don't sound. So tell me, go up here and jump out that bed. That don't sound right, right there. <laughs> I got something to do. So I'm just saying to you guys today, I really hope that um, that you spiritually. Again, first of all, if you're if you're concerned, and let me just say this: if you have a suicidal thoughts and everything, you guys listen. You can there's suicide hotlines. There are all things that you can call. Or you talk to somebody, express yourself, let somebody know because they're very real. Those thoughts come, and I'm telling you, they're there to attack you. They are there to take your destiny. It is that is as dangerous as a thief holding a gun up to your head. Think of a suicide thought as a thief holding a gun up to your head because that's exactly what it is. It's something that is coming to, it's a spirit that is coming to rob you of your future and your destiny. And if you've gotten to the point where you're saying, hey, I feel like I'm getting ready to take it all or whatever, if you feel like that, talk to somebody. But understand that's a spirit there. And it's trying to get you to take your future. I don't care what's coming. I don't care what done happened. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how bad it looks. Listen, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You just don't know. So I'm not only going to leave y'all with this, but I'm going to leave y'all with this old story when I was in. And it's the often one I, I think back of when I feel sad or when I feel discouraged or something that I feel like I feel I hear uh, spirits trying to talk to me or whatever. But I will tell you this. There's a story I remember as a kid that we watched. I was like 13 or 14. I think the girl, little young girl's name was Jenny. I can't remember it. But she had, she was only 15 or 16 years old. And she had, they showed us this film in school that always stayed with me. She was sad because her boyfriend had broken up with her. And she had a bad week. She had an audition for some sort of dance thing to go to college, and she felt like she fouled that up. And she she felt she just had a bad week. Her One of her friends and her had gotten an argument. It was just a succession of things. And Jenny decided that she couldn't take it anymore at 15, 16 years old. This, and there's a lot of teenagers because we're living in a time where teens, are, it's just been even more rates of higher suicide among teenagers, okay? And so... She felt like, you know, this is. I need to take my life. I've, I've had a bad. Nobody cares about me. Nobody, blah blah blah. I've messed up my future of going to school. I've messed up. My boyfriend's not talking to me. I'm done. And she took pills and killed herself. And I remember her mother talking in the film, and she said, her mother was like, you know, telling, talking about how it destroyed her. But she said the most hurtful thing was that. A week after we had put her to rest, she said, we get a letter in the mail from the school where she had auditioned, you know, where she had auditioned for her college to dance or whatever she did, and they had accepted her. That's one of the things she took her life for. She didn't know that 
that you didn't mess up that audition. It wasn't as bad as you thought. Don't let today's circumstance dictate to your tomorrow. And also remember, unless God built the house, unless the Lord built the house, they that labor, labors in vain. Figure out the destination that God has for you and the purpose that God has for you. And I'll tell you one thing, that will make you suicide proof. Unless unless you're dealing with clinical depression or something like that, that's a different thing because that's health stuff. But when we're talking about, Feeling from our, you know, things from our past haunting us, the things that in our now, what will make you suicide proof is having a purpose, God purpose driven purpose. I'm talking about a guy, and I'm not talking about listen, because there are people who are in the listen in the Christian community who have even committed suicide, or in the spiritual community that's even committed suicide because you get out for God's purpose and you start taking on too much. Right, you start taking on all kind of crazy things, trying to do all kind of stuff, and you think you're running in the purpose of God, but you ain't doing nothing but running yourself down. I'm not talking about doing purpose without balance. I'm saying having God, when you have God's purpose in your life, there is balance. Unless God builds the house, not the house you build on your own, but unless God builds the house, they that labor labors in vain. Unless God is building the house. Anything else is all in vain. And you can always tell when, you, when you're doing something outside of it. You can always tell because it's always hard to build. <laughs> I mean, not hard to build it because it's got some things that God has a purpose for you and it's hard to build. But you can tell there's always, like, it's, it, it, it's, it's almost like you can, it's, you can feel the energy that it's like, you're like, ooh, I'm just, this, 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 this doesn't feel right. Because there's always a voice within us that tells us, I'm doing too much. I need to slow down. Hey, I'm doing, this doesn't seem right. I, I, I accepted this project. Ugh, I got too much going on. That's not what I need to do. And people may be disappointed in you. They may be sad about it. They may hurt about it. But you got to do what you got to do. I remember one time I was in school. I was in college, and I had, you know, I love, I am a person like that. I can get out of sorts. And my grandmother came up. My grandmother is funny. My grandmother showed up for the weekend. She came to see me. Came to see me. She, I remember she took the Greyhound up to see me. I was living in Tulsa. I had an apartment in Tulsa. And my gram, granny, she she was like, hmm. She came. I remember my friends went and got her at the bus station and everything. But I was sick that weekend. And all my friends were around me and stuff. And I'm an encourager. You know, I love to encourage. I like to talk to people. I like to move around, but my grandma was looking at me. She was like, mm-mm. Like, you know, like, you know, she knew that I was I was spread thin and I was trying to do too much. And at that time, I was trying to keep, I was working, I was trying to stay in school, I was trying to do this. I was, I mean, it was, I was literally, I, was, I mean, I, I remember I had such a, a, I had, I was so overwhelmed. I remember I was, I was with a friend and we was driving past, I will never forget this, we were driving past, uh, uh, there's this uh, lake or something, I think, in Tulsa. I can't remember. We were driving past it, and I remember thinking to myself, what if you just walked out into that water? I remember thinking to that, thinking myself, and I said, woo, I had to pop back because I said, I don't never have no thoughts like that. 
but I knew that I was overwhelmed. I said, wait a minute, hold on, that because that ain't me. I ain't walking out no what Where's that coming from? You know, and I remember having talking to my spiritual mom about it, and she said, hey, I'm, we about to pray because uh-uh, that's the devil, uh-uh, the devil ain't, we ain't about to have that. Because I knew, I said, that's not right. But my granny came up, and so I'm still trying to juggle and everything. And so the next day we go to church. And everybody, you know, is still, you know, I'm like, well, you know, maybe we can all have a get-together or something like that. And my grandma said, no, you know what, guys, listen, do you mind uh, we meet later on because Kiki, she needs a rest. I see she's sick. I remember looking at her, and she said, she said, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll come see y'all, blah, 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 blah. And I remember we got into the, uh, my apartment. And my grandmother turned, turned on TV, and she said, we sat on my little floor thing, and she just said, come here. And I just laid my head on her, her, her lap, and I started crying and fell asleep. Because she knew I was so wore out. I was tired. I was literally, I was just, I was, nobody knew. But she knew. She was like, something ain't right. I know her when I see, I know when she ain't right. You know, and so I was like, and I remember she said, hey, you cannot, if you need to rest or if you need this, if you can't afford this, you bring your little self home. And I remember that weight was gone off of me because I was trying to play it too thin. And it wasn't, at that point, it wasn't God's purpose no more. At that point, it was turning, it was turning into something else, <laughs> right? So sometimes you got to understand, feed your soul. And I was thankful that God had somebody come down there that could say, hey, wait a minute. I had some elders, some beautiful women in my life that could stack my, my spiritual mom at the time and my grandmother who could say, uh-uh, we got you. Okay, so you, maybe you need, sometimes you need friends, elders, and people around you. Create a community that encourages you and loves on you when you end those dark times. I even got two good friends, two of my best girlfriends now. They really live out of town from each other. But I can, they are, they, we can't. I can call them, I can tell them anything. And they, I know they got me and I got them. No matter what I'm going through. And it can be through the, the craziest things. Sometimes they be like, girl, you crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I know they got me and I got them. So it's good to have some encouragement and spiritual people around you that can love on you and protect your thoughts and protect you. And your spirit, man, okay? And so sometimes recognize when you're wearing yourself thin, all right? Because it's good to rest, rest. Because when you rest, you be like, you get, you restore, you can see, you can start seeing things. This don't look right. No, this over here don't look right. And I got things right now. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all these things because I really want to encourage people to live. There are always things going on. Even sometimes in my life right now where I have to step back. You know, I'm going through a, 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 a midlife years. I'm trying to understand where do I exactly belong. I'm going through that phase now. And it's a spiritual phase, but I'm walking through it with other people who I can talk to who have been on that journey and get it. So maybe I want to encourage you guys to do the same and, you know, rest in, I hope, my prayer is that I hope she did find some sort of peace. I hate that that had to happen for her. Uh, rest in t- peace to this beautiful girl, Chelsea Chris. Very sad. It's sad. I, it's nothing about it that's not. I sad and it's tragic. And so um, 
I don't want another person that feels like they have to do that. Okay? Life is uh life is beautiful and it is worth the journey, okay? Uh when I get back, whoo Lord. We did our it's the word. So when we get back we're gonna be talking what I wanna talk about? Oh Lord, what news I gotta talk about. Oh, we're gonna talk about this uh NFL, okay, we gotta talk about that. It's uh, sounding, like I said, it's sounding more and more WWL out in these streets, okay? So we're going to talk about Brian Flores' lawsuit this week. We're going to talk about uh, Angela Rye is working for ESPN. Now, you know I'm looking at ESPN side eye, right? Because remember all the stuff with Jamie. I'm looking at Angela Rye side. <laughs> well, I understand you need a job. I understand. Listen, I'm looking at ESPN side eye because didn't they, they have this alleged force, allegedly, forced resignation of Jamil Hill and she would was the, some people say demoted back down to the news she said she wanted to leave but Jamil Hill you had an Angela Rye right up in the ESPN why go high Angela Rye when you had Jamil Hill <laughs> it's hilarious to me I don't know what they, they're doing over there okay so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about people uh Four people arrested uh, for Michael K. Williams' uh, death, and we're going to talk about um, Nick Cannon. Oh God! We'll talk about that. Whoopi Goldberg, all that and more. When I get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, let's play. Uh, let's see. Oh, I love this one. India Shaw, moving on. It's the CC show. I'm Carlotta. I'll be back in a second, y'all. Please, allow me to show you something. Get back to the game. Festival season. 
start and never end. Holding your hand, holes in my plans, tears in your eyes. Walking out the doctors, I've been feeling dead inside. Baby, don't cry, know you're terrified. And girl, so am I. But here's with a peace of mind, I hope we both find.
All right, you, you guys, we are back on the CC show. That was No Plans for Love, Be Nice with uh, Neo. And I forget the other person. <laughs> oh, it's the Carolina Chatwood Show. I am Carlotta. We are back up in these streets. It is time for Hot Topic Saturday. And we're going to start off with the NFL because the NFL is playing with us out here in these streets, okay? I mean, is the NFL playing with us? Are your owners throwing games? And I don't think it would just be for the lottery. No, no, no. You know, when I thought about, here's my thing. If the NFL is throwing games, if allegedly, I thought it makes sense. I mean, who would leave a billion dollars to billions and billions of dollars to chance? I mean, when you think of how connected a sports team is to a city, and you think that there's so many, there's only so many successful sports teams within a season. Uh, we probably have more sports teams folding if they did not throw a few games. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying they are throwing person a few games. I'm like, think about it. I mean, you got it. Like I have, I think about things like that. Like you know, certain owners suddenly becoming good overnight. That's been hideous for about fifty years. You know, and it's sort of like you know, you sort of like think you go to yourself like, huh? Like did they suddenly get the pieces, or is it that the, you know, the NFL just knows at some point we gotta let a smaller. It's like I feel like that for all of them. I feel like that for baseball. I mean, you at some point. You have to go. You have to let smaller markets come in because you got to keep people coming out to those stadiums. You got to keep people. And if you are part of a, te- a, a, a team who's constantly losing and losing, well, people lose revenue on you. There's all so at some point you got to give certain teams a spark, give their fans some hope. I mean, you can give hope for NFL fans. You can give a good winning season, and you've at least got ten years from them fans. Seriously, I, I believe that. That's just this is quite a lot of average. If you give a winning season, just a little bit, they went seven games where they had won two before, and they all of a sudden went seven. That's that's probably ten years worth of fans in the NFL because the NFL got some wild fans. The NFL fans is wild. So you got another ten years if you can to get them there. People will come out to the stadium probably for at least another 10 because they feel like the hope is back. What did Huey used to say from uh, Huey from uh, Western McCollum said, hope is irrational? <laughs> I don't I think there's hope. There is some things to hope for. But, you know, listen, in this sense, it might be. I mean, here's the thing. I, I really think that the NFL is a business first and that when we're talking about, we talk about gambling, we talk about um uh big cities tourism uh uh team apparel uh 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 uh, uh, uh city i mean the, you know stadiums and stuff like that man there is no way they don't fix them that's all i'm saying in my opinion i'm not saying they do i'm saying in my opinion 
I feel like there is some, I believe there's some legitimacy to what Brian Flores and even Hugh Jackson even kind of spoke on it this week a little bit. I believe, and even, you know, some players have came out this week too and said they where they have suspected their coaches are throwing games, where they argue with people and said, why you didn't put me out there and stuff like that? Because think of the big coaches, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying this is what happened. This is not what I'm saying. So anybody, don't try to, Tasha can't quite be me. I'm just trying to say, alleged, let's just give an alleged scenario, okay? Let's say if you're Andy Reid and you, the Chiefs are in the championship game, and you say, you know what? The NFL said to you, you know, we need the Chiefs not to win. They shouldn't have won last week. We need them not to go to the Super Bowl this year. Now, Andy Reid, they don't give him no $100,000, okay? Somebody like Andy Reid, they probably going to give a good $5 million, maybe, okay? Because we need the Bengals to go. Because the Bengals have not been since the 80s, and we got to keep their market strong. The whole NFL. I'm not saying this is the kind of talks they have. I'm just saying this. I'm, I'm imagining it. <laughs> And so you see players, you don't need players anymore. Like in interference, the guy talked about, you know, how the mafia would go after um, the book interference. There's this book interference out there. I forget the name of the author. But he talks about, I've been watching him a lot, old shows from him, and he talks about how back in the day they would get quarterbacks and refs who gambled and stuff. You don't have to even do that anymore. You don't have to have the players participate in order to throw a game. You can have refs on the tape. You can have, you can have, uh, you can have owners on the tape. I mean, not owners on the take. I mean, you can have uh, uh, coaches on the take. It doesn't need to be a big a big thing. And that's why some players might be looking around saying, what happened? Like, they sitting there because maybe they done threw a couple of bad plays in your playbook and you ain't supposed to win. Or they done gave the other team your plays. And you're like, how the hell they knew what we was going to do? Ain't just ball gates out here and stuff. Which brings me how Brady's suddenly retiring around this time. <laughs> Maybe he knew this shit was about to come out. Brady, like, let me get my ass out of here. So they start questioning my shit. Huh? Listen, former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores sued NFL three teams alleging racist hiring practices, okay? Former Miami head coach Brian Flores is suing NFL and three of his teams, the Broncos, Dolphins, and Giants alleging a pattern of racist hiring practices by the league and racial discrimination during the interview process with Denver and New York, as well as during the ten- his tenure with Miami. The lawsuit filed Tuesday in Manhattan Federal Court sought class action status and unspecified damages from the league. The three teams and unidentified individuals, Flores, uh, at three teams and under – oh, let me read that again. The lawsuit filed Tuesday in Manhattan federal court sought class action status and unspecified damages from the league, the three teams, and unidentified individuals. Flores, who is black, was fired last month by Miami after leading the Dolphins to a 24-25 to 25 record over three years. They went 9-8 and eight in their second straight winning season but failed to make the playoffs during his tenure. Flores' lawsuit alleges that the league has discriminated against Flores and other black coaches for racial reasons, denying the positions of head coaches, offensive and defensive coordinators, and quarterbacks, uh, coaches as well as general managers. 
it was time to stop being quiet about the injustices that are happening, Forrest's team said over the phone to NFL Network Cameron's Wolf. This was long overdue. There's plenty of racism that needed to be exposed, okay? Forrest added that in, in a release out put out by the law firm representing him, God has used to need a special talent to coach the game of football, but need to change uh, bigger than personal goals. Okay, let me read here. It says, let me get to it. Okay, the, the improvement, this is a lawsuit said the Dolphins fire floors was typical for black coaches uh, who are not given the latitude other coaches receive to succeed. It's noted that Flores led the Dolphins back to back-to-back winning season for the first time since 2003. The improvement came even though the lawsuit contains Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross told Flores he would pay him $100,000 for every loss during the coach's first season because he wanted the club to tank so he could get the top pick in the 2020 NFL draft, which was eventually used by the Cincinnati Bengals to select quarterback Joe Burrow. The lawsuit alleged that Ross then pressured Flores to recruit a prominent quarterback whom NFL Network insider IM rapper identified as Tom Brady uh, in violation of the league's tampering rules. When Flores refused, the suit alleges that Flores was ostracized and ultimately was fired, okay? Now, let me just say this. Let me just start with this. First of all, it is hard to – discrimination lawsuits, let me just tell you, they are hard to prove. You know, when there's already been a system – listen, white supremacy learned a lot from the 50s and 60s, from the 1930s, the early part of the 19th century. What they did, what white supremacy, in my personal opinion, has done is gone underground. It's political correctness is for white supremacy. Uh, check anyone that gets out of line and tells the plan, okay? So I, I, I like when white supremacists are very open and they say who they are and they're and they very straight up. You know, in the 50s and 60s and the 40s and stuff, you could see everybody was clear. They was calling, They was talking about niggas on TV and everything. So it was clear where we stood but they look like monsters to the world, you know, because America is a great democracy. You can't look like you are free. You're talking about freedom, and you have enslaved people, and you now you got Jim Crow laws, government sanctioned, uh, 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 government sh- uh, sanctioned uh, 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 unfairness, Jim Crow laws, and all kind of things. America looked terrible, okay? So they could not have that anymore. So they begin to create this energy where it looks on the surface, we look like we've changed. And listen, we've even we've even immigrated even more people of different from the diaspora of black people of different color. But it is we still we we look like it on the surface, but we're really not changed. And we've got enough of a system in place where you ain't gonna find out we ain't changed. And we fire anybody who gets out of line and says, shows what our real system is, okay? I don't kind of want this NFL coach. I mean, they want to they, – they're all – people are all saying this NFL uh, owner needs to be fired. No, no, no. He needs to be watched. I don't like them firing the racist ones. I like them to stay right in place. Because you, he needs to hire more. He needs to prove that he's not racist now. See, if you hire another, uh, what they do, what white supremacy does, and they've done it, especially on the liberal side, they've done it very geniusly. What they do is they say, 
okay, we're going to get rid of it because everybody's going to be watching the racist guy. It's pressure on the racist guy to 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 hire. Now he every, he's exposed. And because he's exposed, he's no more good to the game. They got to bring in another owner who can play the game and who will hide his hand. But this one can't hide his hand no more because Flores is exposed, allegedly. So now he's got the uh, he got the pressure in the next few years to hire some black people in there, black um, uh, and I would put pressure specifically black American people with ADOC or, or FBA or whatever y'all traditional black America I just say because it gets so crazy people got organizations and I, I, I it's getting cult like let's just say traditional black America it's important that they get hired in positions because traditional black America are the ones who originally the crime was set up against, okay? I like having, keeping those people in place. I See, I hate it when they got rid of the Clippers owner because he was telling me, even though, remember, he was doing some racist stuff, but he was telling some facts out there about a lot of stuff that go on in the NBA. That's why they got rid of his ass, Donald Sterling. They got rid of Donald Sterling because he was too much truth up in there. We was really finding out. But a lot of people was out here hollering because they didn't want the system to be broken. They didn't want, listen, white supremacy doesn't like their systems to be exposed, even by their own. Donald Sterling exposed the system. He got to go now. We have to replace him so we can keep our secret cabal in place, our secret system in place of, of, of still, we still got our foot on these people's neck, but you can't hardly see it. Sometimes we need to demand that, nah, he don't need to leave. We need to stay right there. We need to see him hire more blacks in the front office. We need to see him hire a black coach. You know what I'm saying? We need to keep these. I don't think he needs to get set out the league. But what the league is trying to get rid of him for is the most egregious thing that came out is they throwing games. And I believe that shit. Okay, I believe. And I don't believe it was for no pick either. I believe it's deeper than picks. And I don't believe only losing coaches throw games. I believe winning ones do too. Okay? So, listen, this is pretty uh, fiery about the NFL. I suspect that Flores is getting ready to get attacked. His personal life, they're getting ready to tell every y'all, if you got any business, they're getting ready to tell it. Anything you got, whatever you do. I know he did this this lawsuit just to blow up the spot, okay? Because sometimes the spot needs to be blown up. Sometimes you don't got to have no proof. You just need to put the focus on something. And he's done that. And hopefully this will expose some people. My personal opinion, though, is the owner don't need to go because now he feels the heat and feels the pressure of trying to do the right thing. And groups and organizations who are black need to make sure that the heat does that. However, um, uh, I don't know if the most, to me, the most powerful thing that came out of this is that the NFL and and, and the owners in the NFL could be possibly doing games. And he, if he did it, if, if this is true what Flores is saying, he is not the only one. Even Hugh Jackson talked about there was an incentive for Cleveland, allegedly, and you know how long they have been losing to uh, throw games. And listen, I know they ain't just throwing games for those draft picks. Shit, they've been losers for a long ass time. So it's got to be a number of reasons why these people want to take the losses. Probably tax purposes. There are all kind of things. And I believe if you see one owner, you see all the fuckers. Okay? 
facts. It's the facts of the Henry Streets. It's facts, okay? When I say if one of these owners is doing it, it's probably a lot of them. And the NFL could possibly be, allegedly be WWF, okay? So don't be surprised what you watching. You might be watching WWF, okay? But that's okay because y'all buy, y'all buy tickets to wrestling like crazy. Man, some of the biggest fans ever. I you couldn't believe it when we used to say I used to work for Ticketmaster. I worked for Ticketmaster for years, okay? And let me tell you, one of the biggest sales that we would have at Ticketmaster, you know, the Ticketmaster, one of the biggest sales that we would have at the box office, the biggest sales was WWE and WWF. I'm talking about, I ain't seen no fans. They'd be there in droves. We would have lines like from the outside of the box office all the way down the street Thursday at Ticketfield. We'd be dealing with selling them shit all day. I said, don't they know this shit's fake? They did not care. Them people love that shit. They have on their shirts and everything. Yeah, can I get two tickets? I mean, like, seriously? So listen, this won't hurt the NFL at all if it's WWE or WWF, okay? Y'all know it anyway. Y'all got videos and all kind of shit out there showing Games and stuff, y'all know them. People, you're like, this don't look right. Okay, so, I mean, it's a possibility, okay? Very interesting, all right? And, and the NFL, if you can't tell the NFL, listen, Chase Z is so dumbass. We're not past million. You just wanted to get in and try to be some sort of owner. You know, it's, you know. And there's also a scripture in the Bible that says, don't desire to be like your oppressors. I mean, and that doesn't mean not to desire to be successful, but don't desire to do it in their way where you exploit people and do all kind of shit to, you know, to get to the top. You know what I'm saying? Don't desire to be like the motherfuckers who oppressed you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The certain people. I don't want to check in the Ramada in the day. I'm, I'm trying to, I may save that for a little bit later. All I'm saying here is that look at this. Look at, look at, here we are. Super Bowl weekend, and some of the most prominent black performers have to perform for the NFL. And you know why they got to perform when they the NFL is allegedly being deemed as racist during Black History Month. Damn shame! Damn shame! Damn shame! Angela Rod joins ESPN as a special correspondent. Oh, my Lord. Did they just hire her just in time? Did they knew this was coming out? I mean, is it for Black History Month? I mean, you can't say, why y'all didn't keep Jamil Hill? Why y'all didn't go ask Jamil to come back? There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of confusion going on at ESPN, I guess. I don't know what the hell is going on. Why y'all have Angela Rod, who don't have no sports background? Where the fuck I get this <laughs> With Jamil Hill, you had the best of both worlds. <laughs> I'm quit laughing. Anyway, ESPN is hired. This is according to MSN.com. ESPN has hired political consultant and commentator Angela Rye as a special correspondent. The sports giant said Tuesday, Rod, the CEO of political advocacy and social equity firm Impact Strategies, <laughs> will provide perspective on sports-related matters of race what? and culture and social justice issues, ESPN says. 
Rob will also appear in the studio and produce stories under ESPN Black History. Uh, always be. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious that, you know what, it's obvious that the jobs are being spread to a few. I mean, it is hilarious. I mean, you had to be <laughs> I'm a bit laughing. I don't understand none of this. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, sports play a critical role in our culture, bringing joy to us in all the, in, in, all in the midst of unprecedented changes, Ross said in the statement. I'm grateful for the opportunity to give culturally relevant stories of voice on this iconic platform. Listen, okay, you know, I have to laugh because I have not seen his answer. I've been on CNN in a while. I mean, I mean, listen, they turn them over like, I don't know, they turn them over. You know what I'm saying. These Democratic operatives are t- they be turning them over left and right and listen i think that the secret about angela rod no offense i i like angela rod some of the things but some of the stuff angela rod says i'll be like oh did you pick that through I, or did you did you actually read that i mean I, I think she was cute for little outtakes at first on cnn but the more and more people heard her speak i think more and more people begin to question like oh nobody can get no job. Congratulations, Angela. I'll just, just be out here on these streets just just trying to figure out why did they get rid of Angela? <laughs> they get rid of Jamil. <laughs> I let Jamil here allegedly put pressure on Jamil and only to get Angela right. <laughs> I gotta stop. I don't know where this woman's going at this point. <laughs> And it's almost time for voting time. It's 2022, so of course the Democratic operatives are getting jobs now. Angela Ryan's back here because they're trying to convince you to run back to the polls to vote for Democrats. And I just think black people are done. Most of us, at least. I'm not telling you run out and vote Republican. I voted Republican. I voted Democrat, Republican. I voted across the board. And I lean more to, I lean sometimes more conservative, especially when it comes to uh, 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 financial perspective. Certain things I agree, but sometimes I lean towards socialist agendas, too. I think both makes a great, you have to have a little bit of both in order to make a great society. You have to use some socialism method with capitalism. Just you don't have, Not a whole lot. Put just a little in there to measure and, and, and certain things. You know, you, you I think one system is you can't have one system totally and not and you would have absolute corruption in either system. Especially one system that's social the socialist systems have proven that they um they can be really corrupt. Capitalist systems have proven that too, but that's why I think there should be a mixture of things. You can't have a capitalist society without to my in my point, it has to have some over uh overarching concerns for its people. You have to have a sense of uh, not government, but government has to provide some opportunities to allow people to be able to, uh, when they have uh, down times and everything, get back on their stuff. And I do like programs like um, where we have food stamps, welfare, Medicare, Medicaid, stuff like that. I do like those programs. I'm not, I'm not against those, okay? They just need to be perfected. I don't like government, though, ruling over everything, okay? I'm just not for that. Uh, but 
I do believe this is a time when Democratic operatives do come out in droves to get black people to go back. I mean, you know, there's even celebrities out there now. There's a celebrity, one of my, one of my favorite celebrities. I mean, you know, like, vote, 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 vote. And I'm not against you voting. It's just like, but you know they want you to vote Democrat. I mean, you could be saying vote. If we want, you didn't want us to vote Democrat. I mean, it's just, it's like you're a Democratic operative, and I know it, and I know it helps your career to be a Democratic operative, because if you weren't a Democratic operative, you probably wouldn't move as fast in your career. I mean, there's a number of people in their careers I think it has helped them, like John Legend. Like, I mean, I really mean, seriously, John Legend is known more to me for political commentary than a lot of his shit, you know, his music. I think his political commentary of being a Democratic operative has helped him a lot. It's helped him to move in certain circles. Now, I don't think he's smart politically at all, but I think it helped him to move. He's like a fake-ass Stevie Wonder or something, because Stevie was really, in my opinion, or at least he, he, was, he was better equipped to be a political advocate when he was coming up. John Legend seems a little bit operative to me, opportunist. So I like him, but I, I see, you know what I'm saying? And I like all of me once all you. There's some songs I like by John Legend, but I just don't feel, I feel like John Legend's political commentary has helped him in being a part of Democratic circles and the Obama stuff when he, he was coming up has helped him more than um, than actual his actual music. <laughs> like, I mean, Stevie Wonder got some good-ass music. Ain't got ain't a damn thing you're going to do to stop Stevie to be a Republican out here. That shit still be good, okay? <laughs> right? But I think that it is John Legend tried to do, this is my personal opinion, that John Legend, this is my personal opinion, is, it, it, it started to see a leeway over into Democratic operativeness, and it helps, a lot, it helps the music also. Because when you out there uh, stomping for Obama back in the day and Simon, you know, my favorite, listen, my favorite song with the Boondocks, Dick Riding for Obama. <laughs> when they got there, Dick Riding for Obama, it helped his career significantly. And so I always, when I see certain celebrities and certain musicians and stuff like that starting to tote the, the boat and starting to do interviews with, and it doesn't, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I was at, because I felt like Stevie Wonder, this is my personal opinion, and I'm not saying Dem- Stevie Wonder isn't a Democratic operative. I feel like in that time, maybe he was. But I also feel like Dick Stevie Wonder had a heart for advocacy because he comes out of a time when it was so much, it was more looming. You know, the 50s were tumultuous time for black America. The civil rights movement and the Dr. King's death, Malcolm's death, a very tumultuous time. And so the, those people in those times felt a little, and the communities, but the black American community was much more, uh, we were much closer as a group. We we bonded more. As, I can't, you know, I remember growing up in the 70s and in the, in the early 80s and remember seeing the bonds in black, traditional black America. It, we were a close Black America was very close, and I feel like the crack bombings and a number of other things have has begun to erode at black traditional Black America's closeness. But um, there was a sense of a sense of unity among us, even if we disagreed and we weren't monolithic. There was a sense of unity and love 
among black people. And, you know, a lot of the older people were there, and it was a lot of guidance and stuff like that. So those celebrities sometimes seemed more genuine. And even Malcolm talked about some of them being disingenuine, too. Remember, Malcolm even had a problem seeing some of them just want to be with their white girlfriends and all that. I'm not, I'm not saying but that. But, but there was a more incentive to be involved. There was a, clo- a more closeness to the community because a lot of times when those people were traveling back in the 50s and 60s, they had to stay in uh, places. They had to stay in hotels with black people. And they had to, you know, th- there was a more closeness to the community during the times of when you're, you're talking about the 50s and 60s because, you know, celebrity wasn't that far from the community. Now celebrity is turned into a different beast. So you don't ever have to go around black people and everything or, you know, or really have a sense of camaraderie with your community if you're a big-time celebrity because, you know, your wealth now can put you in places where you hardly see people. You're the only black person in the room. You're the only – I was talking about Andre Talley last week. Uh, we were talking about, I was talking about his uh, – him in, uh, in the – you know, his his ascent to uh, the fashion world and how oftentimes he was the only person there. And in the end, they dissed him. They threw him out. He was a gay. I felt like he was a gatekeeper. This is my personal opinion. I felt like he was a gatekeeper in that industry, one of the gatekeepers. And in the end, they threw him out like he wasn't shit. So, you know, it is, in my personal opinion, you have a different, when you're coming up in those that time, you have a different sense of camaraderie. So Stevie Wonder to me seems more will seem more connected to the community. John Legend does not. He seems like he's a democratic operative. So I look at him and people like Angela Y and him as operatives. I feel like they have sometimes no sense of the community except for when they need the community to get out there and vote and stuff. <laughs> Democrats and, and they want to keep jobs and stuff like that. And I feel like that's we're seeing more celebrities do that. Like you see more celebrities like you literally see more celebrities like having interviews. Uh I'm gonna have an interview with uh, with this person about voting, and you know they don't know a damn thing about what they talk about. You laughing because you, you, I, I mean, I see this a lot. I see celebrities. I've gotten on some of the lives of celebrities where they've done interviews with certain Democrats. I, we need y'all to get out here to the polls, and they don't even know the questions to ask. Or when they asking questions, they general questions. It's cute that they getting involved, but you know, you wonder what's the. Are you getting involved because you really care about the community, or are you getting involved to move your career? Because that, cause th- that can move your career in certain circles. I mean, I felt it when I seen celebrities talking to certain uh, 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 po- politicians or certain political people uh, advocating certain things. I know I have felt like they don't know shit, and they don't even care. They, I felt it. Like I said, well, you don't know shit. Like, it was one celebrity that had, was trying to have something. I ain't going to say no names because I don't want to get people pissed off at me because I know people will be writing and all this stuff. All I'm saying is that I know a certain celebrity that tried to have something, and they didn't know shit about what they was having it for. It was an event they was having. And I was like, they was going on shows in front of us. I was like, well, what is you? Are you connected to it? I mean, do you feel something for it? Because they didn't seem to sell it. They, You know they was doing it just to look good. It was like, is, do you have any sense or connection to the community? Or are you just doing that bullshit because you want to look like you got some sense of connection? <laughs> and you try to move in your career circles because you can tell it. And I feel like with this group of celebrities today, because they're not so close, has has the celebrities back in the 50s and 60s, like when we talk about, we're going to talk about Janet Jackson's documentary in a minute, 
But when you talk when Janet starts showing, remember Janet showed her family in Hollywood, they was having parties and stuff with other black celebrities and stuff like that. It's back then. The Jacksons had to be a little bit closer to the community because there was still a lot of segregation. We were just moving out of segregation. We were just moving. They, I mean, when people people had to travel, when those like the Temptations and the Motown people had to travel, sometimes you know they had to stay in black-owned hotels. They could only they could only perform certain places and stuff. You know, so there was a little bit more connection to community and a little bit more investing. I'm not saying there wasn't no shenanigans going on back then, but I'm just saying it was a little more investing into the community as a whole because you were feeling the heat even though you was a celebrity just like the community. I mean, it didn't matter if your ass was a celebrity. You had to take your ass to the black house. They was like, they was like, nigga, get right over there in the black owned hotel. We, we not having it. And get your ass, you went down south, get your ass uh, right over there at that black counter. See, they felt it more. Today, they don't feel it more. It's like moves to make my career better or what does the black community expect of me so that I can be, you know, I can look better in their eyes. That's how I feel about it. I feel like this, so we, we've come to a place where of, of insincere celebrity political uh, alliances. <laughs> and I think they were insincere back then. I think there were people who were insincere back then in, in celebrity. But I just think it was it was less noticeable because they could feel it more. You hear what I'm saying? And they had to put themselves out there because it was like America was getting their ass kicked back in those days. You know what I'm saying? It's on a on a political level, uh, a spiritual level, everything. So it was a much different vibe than it is today. When we see people like Jay-Z and all them run out and do political things, I, I never hardly buy it. I'm sorry. I, I have a hard time with them because they, they show different things. They There's so much smoke and mirrors going on with those type of celebrities that it's just you don't know if is the community really the best interest you have in mind or is it self? Are you a gatekeeper? It's just, you know, I don't know. I hope you get what I'm saying there. This kind of strange you. So it's interesting to see, you know, uh, Angela Raya ESPN. <laughs> Let's see what happens with that one, okay? Uh, Joe Reagan, this week, I wanted to talk about this because I listen to Joe Reagan a lot. And Andy uh, Ari. Uh, came out and she got she she started to pull her music from Spotify because she started my son Joe Reagan did on his show uh, a long time ago. It says uh, this is according to Daily News. It says Joe Reagan is addressing his use of the N word after a viral video shows clips of the controversial podcaster using it repeatedly in past episodes. Reagan fifty four took to Instagram early Saturday to apologize for a lot of shit from the old episodes of the podcast, I wish I had said or I had, had said differently. This is my take on the worst of it. I'm making the video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever talked about publicly, Reagan said. While he now agrees there's no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word and said he hasn't done so in years, Rogan pointed to the previous discussions about the slur in which he, he would just say the word rather than referring it as the in, to it as the N-word. Listen, I don't like that. I, I, I'm a, if he, it depends on the context in which Joe Reagan was talking about. It. I haven't heard the clip yet, but if he was talking about saying, "Well, when people say the word nigga, I'm not that." If if you're saying it in a context, because I, if you're saying it in a certain context, 
I have no problem if you're trying to describe something or something somebody says. Political correctness. Remember what I told you, political. That's why I don't. Buy, I look at NDIRE and I said, sit, sit the fuck down because you're fucking up right now. Because what you're doing is just setting precedence. Because when black, when black radio shows or black people come out and they say the wrong thing, they gonna get on them double hard. Okay. So the thing is, Joe Reagan depends on the context in which he said it. I don't know what the context in which he said it. But if he's using it to describe something or something somebody said or something, it just depends. I'm very I, – I feel like a lot of political correctness, I feel like political correctness is used for white supremacists to keep themselves in check so that they are never found out that they're white supremacists. I love it when everybody's straight up. I like it when you're on the radio and you say, I don't like niggas. I love you. you got the right to say that. I love that you say that. Now, I don't got the right to listen to your show if you say you don't like me. That, but I know who you are. Ain't no faking the funk. It's a whole lot of people out here that's faking. I like it so I can say, I, don't, I can turn him off. Pick. I, what I'm saying is I don't, like pro, I don't like certain types of protests. Certain types of protests towards a sense of censorship. And NDIRE, who is very interesting to me, because NDIRE, who, who herself has been shit out of the industry, for certain things she's saying about her looks and her things like that. To me, I just feel like there has to be a certain sense of free. I, I see it has that could go. I, I feel like you got to give people, you can't censor discussion. When we start to censor discussions, that's how we learn from each other. Even discussions that are uncomfortable. I feel like that's something else going on because <laughs> I feel like she's a part of that crew now. She's become a part of this more democratic, operative, kind of moving, operish crew. I-, I see it, you know what I'm saying, John Legend type of crew. Uh, you said, I never used it to be racist because I'm not a racist. I don't know about that. I think most all white people have some, not all, but most white people have some element of racism in them in this society because I think sometimes it's unnoticeable to you. And I think that it's sometimes like it's sometimes unnoticeable to us that we sometimes think of ourselves a certain way because of the racism inflicted on us. So I think that it, sometimes it is unnoticeable, like being it's it's normal for white people, some white people, to be in a room with all whites and not have to associate with any black people. And when a black person walks in the room, you feel a little strange. Why? Because you are used to being the dominant society. You are used to being in dominant positions in certain places, ownerships in certain places. So that plays into the energy of racism. And it plays into the energy of I think I'm better than. So I think it's it's a hard key to try to say what's racist and what's not, you know what I'm saying? But it says, uh, he says, but whenever you're in a situation where you have to say I'm not a racist, you fucked up. And I clearly have fucked up, he continued. There's nothing I can do to take that back. I wish I could. But obviously that's not possible. I do hope that if anything, that this can be a teachable moment. Rogan also addressed an 11-year clip in which he made a racist joke about a black neighborhood, which he admitted was unacceptable even in context. It makes me sick watching that video, said Rogan. But hopefully at least some of you will accept this and understand where I'm coming from. My apologies and much love. My sincere GP apologies and much love. The compilation video was initially posted by Grammy winner NDIRE, who this week called out music streamer Spotify for problematic. Right? No, listen, and let me tell you something. 
I don't believe India Ruiz did this of her own accord. And that's just my personal opinion. She can come on 20 times and say she did of her own accord. I don't believe that shit. And I believe that uh, there is a, a targeting of Joe Rogan's show because Joe Rogan has a lot of conversation. Joe Rogan is like the the uh, calm, a calm version of, of but a more, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say intelligent, but a more realistic conversation of uh, like Alex Jones, right? He talks about theories that people may not normally accept in mainstream. He he has both on his show. I've listened to Joe over the years. I, I've, I, and listen, all I'm saying is this. I am not, and I'm not trying to take up for no white man. Don't try to do that bull crap with me because you got the wrong one right here. But what I'm just trying to say is that that's how we learn from each other. I think people like NDIRE is on some other shit stuff. I think we, we, we got, I see, I think a lot of black people are not recognizing that you have that now you have you've you've had you're having gatekeepers in the industry, and you're having people who look like they're really pro-black and stuff like that, but they're working, they're doing the they they doing the devil's work too. I'm not saying that's what she's doing, but I'm just saying it to me because she probably works she works in an industry full of racism. She goes to events full of racism. I don't keep her ass from going on Oprah when Oprah Oprah got a clip. Where she, where she, remember when Oprah said that about black kids going to I ain't see you say I ain't gonna go on Oprah no more. When Oprah was, when Oprah said that she reached, she didn't give, she didn't build no schools in the Chicago area and stuff like that. Remember why? Y'all look up why Oprah said she didn't do that. Then nobody get on Oprah's ass. And I felt like we should have got on her the most because she's black. Oh, so that's how you feel about us. Only person that got on her was Paul Moon. It's how I love Paul Moon. Paul Moon, that was the best joke ever when Paul. So Paul Moody said, maybe, bitch, maybe because they saw your show. <laughs> but y'all look up what Oprah said, why she didn't build, why she went over in Africa to build schools. And she didn't, uh, and she didn't, uh, she didn't, uh, and she didn't uh, do them for regular, regular inner city schools with kids around here. You should see what she said. So, I, you know, here's the thing. My thing is that I expect white people to have some uh, – I have some things I've said on this show that's controversial. I don't want nobody to be coming back at me. I, I have growth. And I and I, I don't I don't knock Joe Rogan. If Joe Rogan says he's grown, he's grown. And Andy Iree's ass ain't perfect either, okay? So that's why I'm just saying I, I don't – but I, don't, I feel like this is insincere. It came – Joe Rogan's been out of here for a minute. And you could have protested his ass before he even got the $100 million. It sounds like you were listening because you done put a compilation together of all his things and you showed up and you suddenly, and you suddenly at this COVID situation, suddenly you out here and you saying, uh, wait a minute, I got something. He had a lot of racial kids. This is my opportunity to get in because other person opened the door. So now I'm going to open the door. Girl, shut up. You could have stopped him at when he got the hundred million dollars if you felt that deep about it, but I don't believe you did. I believe this is you are trying to get in with the big. You're doing a John Legend. I see you. <laughs> I got to get an interview with Oprah. This puts you. This puts you in Oprah category. This puts you at Oprah range. I get it. I see a lot of celebrities trying to do that too. A lot of black R and B stars. I ain't trying to make it. You got Pete Gaines. Sometimes you got Pete Gaines. Sometimes people's records, records 
Records are not selling like they used to out here. And I love Miss Mindy Ire. I really like Mindy Ire. But I understand. Artists like her don't sell, so you got to have another game plan. And one that puts you into the acceptable group that will help move you even when you can't sell records. There's a couple of careers. Who's that girl? What's that one girl out here? What's the girl electric? What's the girl the Prince had? What's her name? What's the girl the Prince left? She's real pretty. She's so pretty. She's a doll baby from Kansas City. I'm not a big fan. What's her name? Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet is that. Janelle Monae. I, I, told, I said to my husband, I said, name three Janelle Monet something. <laughs> Out the cup. He's like, what? <laughs> I said, you know her name, but you don't know her music. How's that? Not just for acting. It ain't just acting. No, 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 no. How do you know her name and not her music? What? You know why? Because she has put herself in. Who was it? What? Who was Janelle Monae running around here with? Obama. He's one of the six riding for America. And it's it's carried over for her. I ain't mad at it. You got to do what you got to do. It helped the prince had her up on something. But to be honest, I can tell, it's a, it's a, unless you a Davos fan, it ain't too many. Unless you a true, true fan out there, a lot of y'all can't name me. Too. And don't go Google it. I'm talking about y'all can't name me without Googling Three Janelle Monae songs, but you know her name because she has been in the political spaces. She's moved right politically. She's moved right in a certain group, in a certain energy, and it's kept her out there. It's kept her in getting some movies. She's a pretty girl. You know what I'm saying? 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 Andy and me, is saying, shit, I need to go that route. To give me some, I need to be a democratic operative up in here. How much is that paying nowadays? <laughs> well, you know, once you enter the Oprah realm, though, you know, you you've already kind of become that, right? I didn't realize that years ago. I, I mean, I saw, my grandmother saw it. My grandmother would always be telling me, "Oh no, uh uh-uh. uh." My grandmother never. Can I just say that my grandma was never a big Oprah fan? I love Oprah. I still like Oprah. I still put up some of the, I still, from a spiritual standpoint, some of the spiritual things Oprah says and spiritual people she's had on there, spiritual gurus, I can appreciate that. But my grandmother, when I was young, she always made me watch Donahue. She loved Donahue. She liked the political commentary. So she felt like Donahue was intelligent. <laughs> so she'd be always like, you know, let's watch Donahue, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. Now, and I'm not saying that Donahue is, is I mean, see, because I don't get black people start taking me and start putting a white man. I'm not saying the white man was great. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that my grandma was being on pushing Donahue because of political commentary and things, different things you can learn on Donahue when watching Donahue. When Oprah came along, my grandma was never really in Oprah. She liked Oprah, but she was never really in that. She'd be like, she was like, girl, that, this, some of that just ain't nothing but fluff. Years later, though, when I think about it, and Yvette Cornell pointed this out, too, that she actually came and replaced uh, uh, that whole political commentary that you would, that Donahue was having and thought process about communities and stuff, even though it was from a liberal point of view. 
she actually changed those intelligent kind of, and she it, it, she came and was a little bit more fluffy and powder <laughs> it was and it was it started to become a little bit more uh i mean listen i'm for spirituality but it became a lot of spiritual fluff mixed in with uh 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 with uh very material materialism too. It, it, it was a perfect show, right? You know what I'm saying? Oprah sold a lot of shit on that show. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I always say Oprah should be super rich, not just a billionaire, like two billion. Oprah should be up there with with Microsoft, Bill Gates, and all, for all the shit Oprah has put her name to and sold. She should be up there with Bill Gates and and, and she should be up there with Jeff. Actually, Oprah has sold is uh, almost as much shit as Jeff Bezos. <laughs> She is. She had 18. Oprah was Amazon before Amazon fucking existed. <laughs> she was a human Amazon. Oprah just say it. Oprah just come on the, on the thing. Here's my favorite book I'm reading this month. That book would fly off the shelf in a day. People would take their ass out the house and walk and pick up a book. <laughs> Oprah can show... My favorite thing for Christmas, this is my favorite thing, flying off the shelf. She did that for almost 18 years. Oprah was selling shit for 18 years for motherfuckers. Oprah should be super rich, okay? But I understand there was a different vibe that came in with Oprahism. So, you know, I understand what these celebrities are doing out here. So I get it. I get it, okay? Let's talk about Janet Jackson's documentary. Oh, my goodness. Janet's documentary came on. It came on also last, I mean, this. I think it came on last night, and it's coming on again tonight. Janet's documentary, uh, two-hour special. I love, can I just say this? I love the documentary. I love that Janet was there in, in such a, um, she's still Janet Jackson. You know, the Jacksons are always going to get smoke and mirrors, okay? They come from the era of smoke and mirrors. However, I love that she was so open about her life in certain parts. I mean, I love the Renee videos, the Renee Elizondo videos. I love that she kept, she had those videos and she didn't get permission to use those. He did, and let me just say a shout out to Renee because Renee was right in keeping it some in video, being a videographer for some of your life because he, he that's there's a lot of video footage of Janet Jackson we get to see in her real, you know, and being herself. Her family, just the video, the like family stuff that we saw from uh, from her, the video and stuff like that. I really enjoyed seeing that, like family footage, uh, looking at the house in Gary, Indiana, seeing where they came from. I love that she gave love to Joe. I love that because Joe Jackson deserves. Let me just say this: not a lot of black males don't get, especially where, from where Joe came from. Joe didn't have no money. Joe was Joe came from some hard ass shit in Gary, Indiana, and to uh, to teach your kids music and to give them the saving grace of music and to give them, you know, uh, it, let me tell you this. I'll just say this. I grew up with musicians. My grandparents were musicians, and I loved growing up with musicians because uh, there was always music around the house. My grandparents were gospel musicians, so I heard a lot of gospel music. But my grandparents loved all kind of music. So I would hear all kind of music. My great-grandparents were musicians, too, and so they liked music, too. So I got to hear so 
there was music was a part of our house. My grandfather's group would practice. Sometimes my grandma's group would practice in the house. So me, I sometimes I take for granted music shit, musicianship because so many wonderful music. Like my favorite music, I think I was listening to Maxwell's story. And like Maxwell was talking about how he had to buy uh, uh, certain types of instruments. He had to buy his instruments on his uh, on his own and stuff like that. If I had said that to my grandpa, I was back in the day they would have ran out and bought a piano. You know, they because we we I just I, and I was like wow, you know I take for granted that I had so much. It is a, it's so much music around me. It is a blessing to be raised, in my personal opinion. It was a blessing to be raised by musicians because uh, they were very, my grandparents were so much open to things. You know what I'm saying? So um, I love Joe because Joe had that gift of playing the guitar and everything like that. When he saw his kids had that gift, he was like, hey, I'm going to make something with these kids. I'm going to do something. And I, they're going to have to work hard. It's going to be a price. It's going to be a hefty price. And I know I might risk my relationship with them. But in the end, they're going to understand what I did it for. And I love the way she told the story of her father. She didn't, she didn't, diss, she didn't diss his, you know, his bad parts. She just said, hey, I get it now. I get why you're so hard on me. It, it, it wasn't easy doing what they did. So I appreciate that. I love that she did that. And she did it in such a way to honor him. And I thought that was dope. I was like, honor your daddy, because if it wasn't for Joe's ass, that's what I said last week with Britney Spears' daddy and I, I said, they come back. Don't worry about them. They all come back. Don't worry about Matthew. They come back. <laughs> Matthew, I think they even said something this week. That's why I said, don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it. They all come back. <laughs> all the kids come back, you know, because they. And sometimes you don't understand your parents' sacrifices in those areas, especially you know, especially some man, a man like Joe who's coming from what he came from. And so I appreciated Janet telling her father's story interwined with hers, even though there was a little some story part of it. Like I didn't understand the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis thing because the story has always been that Janet was taken to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis by Joe. She didn't kind of tell that in that documentary. And that, that, that the firing, Joe, the firing of Joe came right before Control was released or something like that. I mean, so I felt like the story was kind of, it was kind of muddled in that area. Uh, I love the way she showed her vulnerability, her that she could have an attitude problem. I've heard that a lot of times. Uh, I love the way she talked about James the board. She did not answer the question whether she had a child or not. See, you got to, Janet, let me explain something to your ass, okay? You know how motherfuckers are out here. You can't be like, I would never do that to say, hi, the child. That's just like talking around. You know, that, that, isn't, that, that isn't saying, I don't have a baby. Like, I would have said, listen, my first baby was this kid I had a few years ago. I don't have no kids other than that. She didn't do that. So that makes a lot of people go, mm. <laughs> right? Because we know Janet can keep a six sheet. Scorpio ascended. She can talk around shit. I know I'm a Scorpio. So you can talk around shit, all that. So I I felt like that, that was kind of muddled. She should have been more forward with that. I didn't like that she didn't talk about Bobby Brown because Bobby Brown, everybody wants to know. And I feel like she didn't talk about Bobby Brown. Here's my personal opinion. Okay. I feel like Janet didn't talk about Bobby because I feel like she felt Bobby, she felt embarrassed about that because the story was Bobby kicked her out 
of the of the you know he kicked her out of the uh, hotel room and that he said you know he the story was that Joseph didn't want her to marry a black man allegedly okay so she may have been embarrassed to address that uh, I do feel like on Bobby Brown's you know because Bobby Brown's getting ready to have an A and E special which I can't wait to see because I think it's gonna be more come out with Bobby but you know Bobby don't talk about it <laughs> right so that would be interesting. She did hit on the Renee Alexander relationship a little bit. Uh, uh, I heard it ended rough and bad, okay? Um, and she did She did not talk about this last dude. She did talk about Jermaine Dupree, which I had already heard Jermaine Dupree was cheating on these streets, okay? I heard he was a side baby, allegedly, and all kind of shit. I'd heard that a lot of shit before about Jermaine Dupree. So, listen, a lot of y'all was going, Jermaine Dupree, how can you cheat on Diddy Jackson? Because, you know what, listen, I used to see, Jermaine used to do a little, like, kind of little reality thing on YouTube with him and Janet. He used to do kind of like he showed her like in bed in the morning. I mean, he used to follow Jermaine. I forget what it was called, Ocean something. Something that he used to do a long time ago. And he was, you could see so much good footage of him and Janet. I mean, Janet was so open in that relationship with Jermaine Dupree. She was very open. And one of the things I would see when I would watch him, the little video thing, listen, she was so out there about that man. I don't know if that was she was just comfortable with him and she felt a sense of, like, I finally can relax with somebody who really loves me and lets me be me or whatever. But, you know, I, you could see it. I mean, you was like, oh, I was like, she really likes this stuff. That means you need, I mean, he'd be, doing, he'd be filming her everywhere. I mean, and um, you could see that she, I, this was a strange thing because I thought Jermaine Dupree was going to be the one, like, you know, all into her and shit, but it was not like that. It was Janet, all into him. She was always picking at him, always I was like, oh my God, like, Janet, you, you like him like he, like he's a man. But, but I see how he got the ego and start thinking he was shit and, and start cheating on her. But rumors have, now this is rumors. I'm just going to say this on a rumor. Now, rumors are that she never quit domestic with Jermaine Dupree. Now, I don't know how true it is. Allegedly out of the street, the, the rumors were that Jermaine was trouble, trouble in that relationship, that extra marriage, and she was having problems in that marriage anyway. She, no, she didn't even mention the last marriage. She didn't mention him at all. She, he, she omitted his ass. She talked about he had her kids, having a baby. But she omitted his <laughs> That's terrible. She said, you so bad. She don't even want to talk about you. Whoever the, the last husband, what's his, what was the last husband's name? I forget the last, uh, the Arab guy. What was his He's so bad, Jenny don't even want to talk about him. She's like, I'm not going to even put you in this story. I was like, you ain't going to talk about your last husband? You going to act like he didn't exist? That's the kind of Jackson shit I don't like. Like, I would have said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to say this. I was married another time. You have a beautiful child from it, but I ain't feeling it enough to talk about. That's all that you have to say. I would be like, okay, we get it. <laughs> so I la- I noticed little things like that with Janet Jackson that she did on this documentary. Um, man, I really don't know. I, I like the documentary. I did like it a lot. Um I don't feel like she was that open. I mean, I feel like she was open. She was very open, but she wasn't that open about some of the things I wanted her, some of the more things I wanted to her to address. 
that she did not address. But that's okay. I, but I feel like she was very open about the things that she did address. And uh, I know it's probably a tour or something coming soon. And it's all good. She did talk about her weight gain and how she gains weight and stuff like that. I think that's important because I think a lot of women sometimes um, don't understand that, you know, even women like Janet Jackson have a problem maintaining their body. And she's like, you know, when I'm out tour, I just like, she said, food is a comfort for me. I eat. And, you know, you, she's probably dealing with so much stress and shit in her life. So, I, I I really appreciate her having those those discussions about her body imaging and stuff like that, and how she how she saw certain things about you know even how she viewed sexuality. Talking about even when she was young, them going to sneak into uh, the like the shows on Vegas, the sexual shows on the, it. So it it was a very you hear a lot of of uh, Jack, Jackson that uh, you can hear Jackson's always talking code to me. You can hear a lot of their secrets if you listen. <laughs> like you listen to certain things, you can hear certain things that may have went on with him. Like I, I thought the Vegas years were very important. She's telling you something about the Vegas years, and then even when she uh, discussed Michael, I feel like you know, like she was like pissed off. She's like, I came to help you, and you just like. And, and listen, here's my thing about Michael. I feel that Janet, Michael, that at one time, I think Michael has such unusual success. I mean, you ain't gonna never see nothing like Michael Jackson again for a while, okay? That was crazy. It was it, it that was unheard of what was happening with Michael Jackson. And Janet Jackson even touches on that. But I think there wasn't an expectation. I think he thought he would probably always be the biggest. He didn't think, I don't think, that Janet would be what she ended up being. I mean Janet literally did that shit. <laughs> And I think when you came, when she was talking about Scream, about how she was heartbroken, talking about the record company, you know, putting the shield, wouldn't let her see and stuff like that. And see, she's a good sister because I would have cussed his ass out and said, you, you know what, I'm about to go. I just came here to help you. You know, I'm, 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 I'm rowdy like this. <laughs> I would have, that would have hurt my feelings. And you would have, I came to help you. And you in the midst of court trials and everything. And your record company won't let me see your set and all that stuff. And I'm here doing a song with you. And it could damage my career. I mean, I just felt like I, I don't feel like that was just the record company doing it. And I love Michael Jackson, but I feel like Michael Jackson was very competitive like that. From what I've read over the years, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know Jackson, Michael, a lot of Michael Jackson fans listen to me. I'm sorry if I'm hurting y'all feelings right now. Y'all know I've always been real about Michael Jackson. I feel like there was two foes to Michael Jackson, okay? I believe there could be the perfectionist, competitive Virgo who could be a trip. And the opposite of sweet Michael Jackson. So I really believe Janet. I feel like that a lot of times Michael hurt himself because, like, even when she offered to open up, do the tour with the Jacksons, I was like, you know how big of a hit that would have been? And she said he was just sort of, like, indifferent to it. Like, she, you know, and, and the whole thing is that probably would, that's probably the tour he should have took his ass on because that this is it tour ended up being it. Okay. It didn't happen. I mean, he, Shit, they just got the rehearsals tape. I'm just saying, he might should have did that with his family. Maybe with his, he would still be here. So that's very interesting, the uh, Jackson, uh, the Janet Jackson documentary. I feel like you, I have to go back and watch it again because, I, like I said, the Jacksons speak in code. 
So when you are watching a Jackson documentary, it's not like a Beyonce documentary. Remember I told you about Beyonce, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. But Janet and the Jacksons like to speak in code. So when you see, like, when they start telling you something about, yeah, we were the only children in Vegas during that time. And me and Michael and Jackie, we used to sneak to the uh, the grown adult uh, shows, and the women would be dressed around that. She's telling you something. Okay, just, just pay attention. Okay, peep game. That's Jackson game. Jackson do that. That's how the Jackson roll. <laughs> oh, and she didn't bring the LaToya up. Like Latoya wasn't nowhere in there. I just feel like the Latoya year. I would want to. I wanted to hear all of that. Like the Latoya year, she didn't even confront that. She didn't even go there. You know when Latoya was running around talking about say they was molested and all that stuff. Remember when Latoya was running around on the line? They was mad. They was mad when Latoya was out here doing a lot. <laughs> Latoya was out here doing the most. She didn't go through that. She didn't even. She didn't even. She didn't even address it. Like, you know, and so I, I thought that was interesting. I thought, but I do feel like the Jacksons do tell things to you without telling you things. And you just have to sometimes pay, pay close attention, like, to how they, how they feel and stuff like that. So very interesting. Um, okay. I'm going to get to Adele and Rihanna. Okay, I'm going to take a quick collar in. I think this is, uh, I think this is. Three one four. Hey. Hey, Charlotte. What's going on? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, man. You're all over the spectrum when it comes down to the time of your show, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> you in the midnight hour? I am. Midday. I'm everywhere. I I know. Morning. Hey, well, I'm. I've I'm busy, so I have to put it in, put the show in when I can. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna comment on a few things here. Okay. One, the NFL. NFL is a private business. It's not even covered underneath the Antitrust Act. The Sherman, Norris, another one I can't think of. In other words, well, some owners hire who the heck they want to. Yeah. And people thinking, I ain't saying all. And I like what you say when you say some black, not all black. <clears throat> but people yeah. are thinking that just because the league is about 70 cent black, that everything's supposed to be black. That just ain't the way it working. And then, too, if they think in that way, now they're starting to think the way they said that it was before blacks start becoming predominant in the league, when it was predominant yeah. white players. So that's showing that, well, you have these racist tendencies also. Because you want to see everything black. But you was complaining when everything was practically white. Well, here's the point. When it comes down to ticket holders, practically all of them are white. Because generally, blacks don't have the kind of money to be paying for tickets for the NFL game. And same thing with uh, the NBA. But, uh, you know, Whoopi, I never had cared too much for her. And I really don't because of political persuasion, but that's our business. But yeah. you just seen some black privilege with her. Now, the thing that she said that was really, I consider racist, when she said that Nazis and whites are the same. Well, I know what she meant when she mm-hmm. said that. But she did say that. Then she went on to try to clean it up a little bit, talking about humanity and so on and so on. But what she yeah. did say, and it's written down, at least I read it, 
that Nazis and whites are the same. Well, that there is racist. But because she's a black woman, she didn't get kicked off as it had been somebody else. As Donald Trump had said that in a different context. Yeah. Well, you know what it would have been. It would have been our head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know you talk understanding the political, not to be politically correct. I haven't talked about mm-hmm. it yet, but she's understanding what it, it, how cancel culture works. Even though she's been one mm-hmm. of the main cancel culture people. <laughs> now you talk about the N word, yeah. and what about when you have when your sex partner uses the N word? There were some articles that were floating around in Essence magazine where a black woman said her white husband uses the N-word when they have sex. And wow. vice versa. Vice versa. When the black partner has sex with his white female partner, she uses the N-word. <laughs> that Just is Google a, that. Uh, it, it'll come up in Essence magazine. Have, that is that is crazy, and you know, you and, and and you know, that's what I say. It's such a that and Joe Rogan. I don't believe he was using it out of context, but I I feel like Joe Rogan is one of those shows where they have discussions that could tend to be people can deem them offensive because they're not. So many people are not used to having real straight up discussions about race and stuff like that, and it's like you have to give people a chance to educate themselves and stuff like that. You can't just say, oh, I want him canceled because of this. And I'm like, you know, Joe Reagan's been out here for a long time. I don't, I don't know where she's at, why she's just now coming with it. That's the, the her timing is strange to me, but whatever. <laughs> now you got another thing. Of course, uh, with the male, it turns him on. I don't know what it does as a female. Yeah, but, that's uh, I, I, That's a nutty uh, thing. <laughs> Yeah, just type it in. Your partner use N word when we have sex. Now another thing too. That your New York City yeah. mayor Adams, he's on video calling white people crackers. It's plain as the fingernail polish on your fingernails. Google it. Wow, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, see here. Yeah, he's on. My thing. He's on talking I, about I kicked them crackers' ass. Is what he said. I, that's why I say black people have to be so careful about political correctness. I feel I don't like political correctness because I feel like that's the way white supremacy corrects itself. I feel like I like to hear people be straight up about who they are and what they are. You can hear people in a conversation, when, and it gives people a chance to express who they really are. I get to know if you really don't like me versus uh, if you do. I mean, I feel like you can hide under political correctness. So I, I really don't like the idea of it. I never have. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Charlotte. Blacks do that too. But I belong to black organizations, and when we there by ourselves, you should hear the things that's being said. I've even had a contract for some property that was owned by blacks, and the contract, they say no whites allowed. <clears throat> so it's the act. Racism, racism don't know no skin color. And racism really is a violation of someone's civil rights because what we call racism today was not even used or heard of back in the 50s and 60s. It has evolved. And, uh, hey, at the dinner table, your mom and daddy would tell you, don't bring home no Miss Daisy. 
Don't bring home no Billy Bob. Of course, the movie black wasn't out. People yet. are responding to it. Here's my thing. I think black people are responding to the racism that they've endured. So, so a lot of times, black people's racism is a response to racism. However, I don't think blacks have enough power to inflict the things that, like a lot of the racist, uh, you can't you you can't shut whites out of contracts, and it's hard to do. You know what I'm saying? It's, but you can't. Shit yes, they can. Of, I know. can give you an example. Yeah, they. But in East St. Louis, East St. Louis, and Lenore, Charlotte, they keep white mm-hmm. people out of of contracts, especially in the school district. Harris Stowe University in Missouri. You had a white woman that sued the university for $5 million and won because she was was kept out of promotion by the HR staff, which was black. So, yes, they do. Look at all the mayors you got. Look at all the Congress people you have. Can you imagine what conversation is going on in the black congressional caucus when they don't let – and wait a minute, check this out. They won't let blacks and services join. I disagree with that, too. I disagree with that. I do disagree with that, but I don't believe they have the power. I think that proof is where black people are right now. They're, I feel like that's not very true whatsoever. They they have no uh, – if there are if they are holding power like that, they're gatekeepers probably for white white liberals or white uh, – uh, or some white well, I had a, conservatives. I had yeah, a white yeah, female employee file an EEOC lawsuit against me. Of course, she didn't I, I win. But, well, uh, white women be, benefit the most off of affirmative action, even though they were a part of the alleged crimes against black people in America, I, which I don't understand. I never understand why white women benefit most off of affirmative action. They are the most Well, I, in this they particular the case, yeah, in this particular case, I fired her because, really, the, mm-hmm. the foreman wanted to let her go. So she filed an EEOC suit against me. I had the power <laughs> to fire her. Had the power to keep on. So no, black people can be racist because racism is an act and nothing to do about skin color. But anyway, I just want to throw that out okay. there. But check that mirror out. Use the I, word crack. I, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not Yeah, check him out. I, I, you know, I, yeah, I, okay, all right. Thank you. Thank you for calling me. All right, I'll bye-bye. Through bye-bye. Um, yeah, I always like the commentary we have back and forth. You know, I agree with you. I think that Here's this. I do believe black people respond to racism. This is my personal opinion. There's a response to the racism that's been inflicted upon them. But most of the time, I just feel like if that is happening, gatekeeping is happening in black America, it's not working too much. (laughs) Because we are still the lowest all across the board on anything. So I have a hard time seeing racism uh, playing out in our community as much as uh, uh, it does in uh white america but uh I, but i believe also there are systems set up in place for that there's a lot of systems that have been set up in place and it's hard to prove you know it's it's going to be like like uh the nfl is a is a is one of nepotism too because the nfl a lot of these owners pass on uh their their you know they pass on their ownership to their children and passes on and passes on so it's very hard to prove uh racism in those kind of tight of those that circle of thirty some men uh owners. It's it's it's, it's damn near it, it's it's really hard. That's why systems are systems always have to be looked at. Um interesting. Systems definitely have to be looked at on that uh on that uh level. Okay, so 
I wanted to get to, I, I was going to take a break, but I'm not going to take a break. Now I'm going to talk about, you know, Rihanna's pregnant. Rihanna, congratulations to Rihanna, ASAP Rocky. They're, they're talking about rumors or they're talking about getting married out here in these streets. Congratulations to them. Uh, congratulations on the baby. I was not surprised when I saw Rihanna pregnant, okay? She looked like she was pregnant for the last couple of months. Because when you see her out, she'd always have on something, a big jacket or something big or hidden. So, so I wasn't surprised because I kind of felt like she might have been pregnant anyway. So congratulations to them. Adele this week, a lot more controversy coming out about Adele. A lot of people talking about Adele was uh, with her boyfriend, held up in her boyfriend's mansion. Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, we ain't talking about Nick Cannon either. We got to get to do Nick Cannon too. Uh, Paul, let me look up here. Uh, and then I'll look up uh Okay. So a lot of people talked about this week a Dale hold up with Rich Paul after volatile romance added to Vegas drama, according to Page Six. Because Adele has been uh hold up with boyfriend Rich Paul after their volatile relationship allegedly contributed to the cancellation of her Las Vegas residency. After she dramatically canceled her dates at Caesars Palace, causing an outcry from fans who spent thousands on tickets. The singer went straight to the NBA manager's Beverly Hills home and has remained there ever since. Insiders say the pair have been trying to fix things, and Paul is helping her to renegotiate her contract with the Vegas Casino Army. A source who knows the 33-year-old musician told Pace Six she and Rich had been fighting, and their relationship was volatile before she canceled her date. The insider continued, Adele is very emotional and dramatic. He's an NBA guy who has has to go on the road. They are very different, and they hit a rough patch. Last week, we revealed the easy on me corner was her shouting and sobbing on the phone to her 40-year-old boyfriend in six months. Okay, let me stop this right here, okay? First of all, I think I need, I need y'all to understand Adele, okay? Uh, my personal opinion of Adele. And, I, and what I might be saying might sound a little... See, I'm not politically correct, so I say what I say. But Adele's one of them chicks. She reminds me of... Uh, what's that girl? The, 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 the girl on the V. What's her name? The one that just had the baby with. But what's his name? There are certain women that just like black men. Okay, Adele likes black males. Even though she married this white guy in between the black, she likes black. She's so happy to have Rich Paul in her life. She's happy. To, I'm not surprised that she risked her whole career, runs down there after Rich Paul. I'm not saying that's what she did, but allegedly, and she said, I'm not surprised because I just am not surprised. Now, some I heard some people in the man's sphere talking about, oh, see, that's what she's supposed to do. Adele ran down there after her man. No, 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 no. And black women wouldn't do that and all this stuff. Listen, and if a, if a man ran down there after his relationship canceled out his conference, I'll be calling him a damn fool. Listen, here's my thing about Adele, right? Okay, this is my situation. Listen, he knows who the fuck you are. Now, if you got to cancel concerts, and take your ass down there and, and hang out at the mansion and say, I mean, girl, you might as well quit doing music right the fuck now. Okay? I'm telling you right now, because every fucking time, he down, now he renegotiated your contract. Listen, see, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened with the baby and the girl. What's her name? She started following around the baby a little. Listen, a lot of times women, you got to be careful. I'm just saying women be careful out here because sometimes, I'm not saying that he might, he might mean her a good, I, I, he means her a good, but she canceled a bunch of concerts and fucked up her whole show. She 
she she fucked up things that she had. Uh, and listen, I, in some places, in some situations, I get it. Sometimes you got to go, you got to deal with your relationship and everything. But he knows you on tour, and he's busy too. So why are you trying to fuck up right now? That fuck up ain't gonna stop just because you ran down there to his house to work things out. Because why did I, why did it all start fucking up when I went on when I'm in Vegas? I'm in one place. I'm in Vegas. I'm I'm in one place. I ain't touring around the motherfucking country. I'm in one place. You could you could fly your if it was that important to you, you could fly your ass to me. You know I got these concerts on him. I just think that's thinking irrational. That's just my personal opinion. If this is true, if this is true, I I mean I wish her the best. I know she's probably in love and in woo 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 land and all this stuff. But listen, your career is important. And when you got to deal with this out and then notice he's renegotiating the contract. Oh, he's renegotiating the contract. Oh, fuck. It's like you giving a, you giving somebody a job. I, I, when I always say women, when you got to give them a job, watch it. <laughs> and especially when he's not your husband yet. Because my thing is he's already acting as a husband and he's not a husband. My career is separate from your career. And when we come together, yes, we might discuss some things and we might give each other some advice. And you might say, hey, baby, you know, I think you need to roll this way. And as my man, I may listen to him and say, you know, I might hear that, you know, or whatever. But we 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 two separate individuals right now. And I got to pay attention to my game plan. And this, she's over, she can, she's, what, see what's happening, she getting digmatized. She can't, to, to, to dig, the allegedly, the dick. The dick has become very important, okay? She got, she done ran, she was a rational allegedly, they think. She done ran down to get the, and I remember I saw chicks, and I knew something was up with him when I saw chicks on the shade room talking about when he, when she was saying, when she was teeing, did that interview, and you saw women, I don't know if women was being jealous or nothing, but all of a sudden you saw down the shade room, people talking about, is somebody going to tell us? I said, uh-oh. <laughs> listen, women, listen, 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 let me tell you something. It is important that you find when you are doing whatever work you're doing, you find a person who understands and, and who 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 understands your lifestyle and who won't interfere in your purpose. Like he won't interfere. He won't get you out. He's so fucked up in your head. You're like, okay, I can't tell you the concert. He said he's gonna leave me in the middle of the concert. He talked. In the middle, you about to go out on stage. I ain't saying this is what happened between him. But let's just say, just just imagine here. You about to put your ass out on stage, and here he is talking about, hey, hey, I'm, we, we threw in the middle. That, that, wow. Okay. And you so jacked up on the pee. You're like, oh, my God, I can't work today. I can't do it. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just telling you, I understand. I understand that it can get like that. There is some men that will mess. Listen, women, there are some men that you know you get involved in, and you got to say, Lord have mercy, I got to pace myself because fool will have me. You know, I there are certain men I knew back in the day when I was young, as a young girl, I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. So I, this is a fool will have me out here fighting folks and shit like that. I ain't got time for that. That's not my game. I ain't. I ain't trying. I see, I see there's some some serious shit, shit that can happen here. 
and I ain't trying to get obsessed and sprung out and all that stuff like that. Sometimes you got to pace yourself with certain people. And it seems like to me Adele is on some wild shit right now. She's on some obsession shit. I mean, she's like, oh, I mean, that, whatever that, that's the first, she ain't had, she's like a Jenny Ma. Let me shut up. Y'all about to cancel me. I tell y'all gonna cancel me to tell the truth. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying is, girl, get your mind together. Get your mind back. Girl, 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 girl. Listen here. I see it coming. I see it. I see it. I see what she's doing. She's going to listen here. Rich Paul's going to be her manager before it's all over with. She is. If he ain't ever manager already. You got to be able to think straight. When you get up from some penis that don't make you think straight, then you got to be like, wait a minute, hold on. You might need to go and just... <laughs> you might have to get some therapy and talk the shit out. But be careful, okay, ladies? Because <laughs> it can make you careful your tours, your work. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, shit. You, you careful in your money. you like, I'm about to go down here. I ain't losing. That, I will lose billion. My fans... And a whole bunch of money and contracts I got at Caesars to go down here and get this bitch. I cannot handle it. Hey, I ain't going to say it can't happen. It can happen to you. <laughs> this is a deal right now. How cool is tour? It wasn't even probably the it, wait, that, that was talking about her arguing with the scenic designer. It probably wasn't the scenic designer at all. Jeez. That's that penis that got her like, oh, no. Adele's like, I am sitting here. I will give all this shit up and see the talents, okay? Because it's that good for me. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, thing. Po thing. You see how, you know what I'm saying? You see it happen every day. You see it happen. I love when me and my girlfriends have these discussions about dick photography. He was like, girl, honey, she done got a hold of that. And then she ain't come back. We ain't going to see her for a minute. She's gonna, she, I mean, when we have a friend in the room that has been digmatized, it's like, you can't, you can't do nothing with her. can't do nothing with her. It's gone. It's gone. Like They'll do anything. They'll give us the jobs, houses, cars. <laughs> I ain't a <laughs> That's where I'm down at right now. Ain't a damn thing y'all can do right now, okay? Let Adele, let this work itself out. She'll be, this will, this will come for a great-ass album, okay? Oh, dang it. See, that man, listen, I bet the second husband was balanced. What's the white dude? I bet he was balanced. She couldn't take it. <laughs> oh, let me stop. <laughs> it was the same. The baby daddy, the one she'd have had, he was probably balanced for her. But you know, we know how you know how women are. We know how we. She got that fetish. She had that that taste. You couldn't get. And now she didn't got that taste back. Child, she didn't give that shit up easily. Let me tell you something. Adele's like, damn that never hello and never find someone like you and all that. I'm going to get my penis if I got to stay up in this damn house. 
can't do nothing with it. I ain't even going to give a speech because ain't nothing you can do with it. What did Monet say on power? What did Monet say on power? What did Monet say on power? When she tells me, she was talking to her daughter, she said, she said, what did she say on power? They say that, that, that Monet said, that she said, lovers make you weak, but partners make you strong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the deal right now, okay? Don't make for some good-ass music. He don't be a good-ass music. She probably knows she's heading down heart break road, too. Well, maybe not. She's probably heading down marriage road, but he going to be running. Listen, Adele, that, listen, be careful. That's all I got to say. Ain't nothing you can tell her, though, right now. You can't tell her nothing. Tell her nothing. Okay. She's already in victim of victim If you giving up tours and bags, you in ain't nothing nobody can say. She's she gone. <laughs> <sighs> How should I end the show? Now, I was going to talk about Nick Cannon. But I'm going to say that for part two because we're going to have a part two. We got to have a part two because I didn't get to a lot of stuff today because I spent a lot of the first hour talking about uh, suicide stuff like that. But remember, guys, you know, I want to say that again. If you need help, please talk to someone. Get some help out here for whatever. If you're going through depression, anything, please get help, okay? Don't take your life, all right? Uh, listen, yo, get back to Adele. I'm not going to even go there. Ain't nothing I can say about Adele. Ain't nothing you can say to Adele. You know, sometimes you got to realize. Like, I had a friend. I had to realize, like, you know, I had a girlfriend years ago. And she, you know, she had gotten to this relationship. And really the hard thing was for her to realize. Yeah, and I was like, you know, she, you know, every day, me, me and her, we we be going, we go out to eat, I go out to eat lunch with, we, I try to encourage her and stuff. And then I had to start realizing something. First, I realized that she was dignitized. It, it was just so good to her that she just didn't really want to give it up. And then the biggest though thing that I I realized is that she couldn't believe that this dude that she had given her everything to, like she she she, she valued because she was young. We was probably like late 20s, I mean, maybe mid-20s, maybe mid-20s, and she had given up her virgin to this dude, and she couldn't believe, this was where her really hang-up was, and she couldn't believe she had given up her shit to somebody who didn't give a fuck about it, and I was like, and I had to point it out to her one day, I said, well, maybe you're just having a hard time because you done learned the lessons of many women, that you done gave it up to somebody who don't give a shit. And maybe it's hard to believe that you gave up something valuable, so valuable to somebody that wasn't shit. <laughs> and for a minute, a light bulb went out of her head, like, <gasps> because that's what really the hang-up was. She was chasing because she was chasing her value. She felt like she saw her value in him. I'm not saying this is what's going on with Adele, but this reminded me of the story. She was chasing that because she's like, I gave you something valuable. I gave you something big. I cannot, you have to make something of this. You got to marry me. You got to make this, you got to make this right. But she just didn't understand. You had just gave your, you you cast your pearl before swine. You gave something sacred to a dog. And you got to recover from that. You know what I'm saying? You just got to recover from it. It's going to hurt. It's a hard lesson to learn. It's like when you give something, when you when you work real hard for something, and somebody tricks you out of it, you're like, God, right? You real mad about it, but you have to you have to come up over that, 
And that's what sometimes what happens to women. They're trying to chase these values. They feel once they give and they've let somebody in sexually and they don't hit it right and they this and they feel like, God, I got to chase. He can't not be for me. He can't not, not this good. <laughs> I get it. If I was thinking of these streets would be crabbing, she'd probably have me doing the same thing. I'd be like, bitch, I don't care what y'all think about me and Mitty. I'm in love. <laughs> now, I got friends that will smack the shit out of me, okay? But I'm just saying, you know, he got that kind of energy. You'd be like, oh, this is pretty. I don't care. I can look like a fool out here. There was models there. I didn't even care. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> there are with men who do that to you. This is where I think Adele is at. And I'm okay. I can't say nothing to Adele. There's nothing you can say to Adele. Let's just put her on the prayer list, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you guys for hanging out with me like you do every week. Listen to me rant and talk crap. I appreciate y'all so much. We're going to leave out with Lovely Day by Jill Scott. I'm going to go into overdrive. and talk a few minutes in overdrive. And uh, we'll have a part two show later on during the week, y'all. I'm out. See y'all. <laughs>
and please be patient with me and we're gonna uh i'm just gonna try to put out shows as i can sometimes i might be recording them late at night you guys might be up hearing it because i know some of you will be listening late at night so i'm up trying to record the show so you guys can have a show about what i think about the ladies and hot topics and stuff like that so i'm going to keep trying my best to do that okay so i'm going to try to give a part two this week i might record it late or I might record it sometime, but no, it's one coming, okay? I'm going to try my best to do that. And because this is a heavy week because I'm going back into the classroom, so it's kind of heavy, okay? And this is my countdown. Y'all know this is my damn countdown. Shit, I'm almost done. I'm trying to get finished out this shit, <laughs> okay? All right, so listen, I was laughing about Adele, but that's real some really, I was laughing. Listen, you know how it is when you get with, like, my, my, my uh, what is it? Somebody in my family, I can't say who like a family person but they've been going with this man like this i have a close family person they've been with this man for years like i mean you could like like victimization i think when sometimes when people are digmatized there's nothing but you can do i'm this is some advice i'm giving to some of y'all women out there who got a friend you know she's digmatized and stuff like that Listen, sometimes you can't cast your best energy before. Don't cast your best energy trying to motivate her out of it because sometimes it takes a lot. You know what I'm saying? Once they get, you know. I mean, when I was talking about Adele's husband, that second husband was probably balanced, meaning that she probably really loved him, but she probably was not, like, you know, digmatized. Uh-oh. Y'all going to be like, wait, wait a minute, Carla, what you said? I'm saying that she probably, like, Jada is Oh, that's not a good example. Like, she probably wasn't stigmatized, like, with the second one, okay? And women like her might need that energy of, oh, I need to feel me some passion. I need to feel some heat. And with that passion and heat come a lot of shit. <laughs> you might get out here and get, you might be, if you don't know how to balance passion and heat, you might get stigmatized out in the streets, okay? Or coochie eyes. This is me to get coochie eyes. Well, you might get you might get it. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Say, I mean, when I heard that she probably did that, that she probably left her <clears throat> her allegedly, she allegedly probably left her concert tour and everything on the table. I knew. I said she's gone. Sis is gone. Sis is on another plane. Sis is gone. Okay. She gone. You ain't nothing. You can. She went down and she like I listen here. That's a scary, that's scary shit right there. That's scary. I'll be like, what the fuck? I mean, like, you know, because that's a whole, that's contracts and stuff. You mean, I'll be like, shit, you know what? Listen, I ain't got time. But it's really a matter of just that for her, she's so out there. It's gone. It's the shit. And when a friend doing that, she gone, baby. She gone. You know, you can do. Ain't nothing you can do. So, ladies, if you got a friend, when you know she over in stigmatized land, just say, all right, baby, it's going to be okay. Yes. Yes, just say, shake your head, yes, and be like, hmm, hmm, hmm. oh, he did what? Oh, yeah, he what? He did what? Oh, damn, that's messed up. My friends, though, let me tell you something. I got type of friends. He's like, help me get your ass together. <laughs> I got some hardcore friends. My One of my girlfriends, I remember I was a heartbroken, and we still definitely up real close friends. And I was heartbroken at times about this guy when I was just young in college. And I was so heartbroken. She said, let me tell you something. She said, you get in. She said, you go in the room. She said, you can roll around on the floor and cry and do whatever the hell you got to do for about 24 hours. She said, don't let that motherfucker see you do it. And she said, and you come out and you get your ass together. 
but you need to cry this shit out. You need to be, because you are acting a fool right now. <laughs> and it worked. It really did work. <laughs> so sometimes you need to stop. You need to stop and breathe, ladies, <laughs> with your friends. And you need to be like, some of them you need to see they go. And you're not, and you don't need to give no more opinions. You need to stop and you need to say, let it, she's going, this is something. She's going to have to work out in her spirit. She's gonna have to let go, let go, and let God. <laughs> All my friends do me about Maxwell Coffin. We just let God. We're gonna let her go and let God. Let God. Keisha, we're not going. Keisha, are you going to another Maxwell? Yes. Why do you want to go to another? You want to see Maxwell? Uh, it's, it's a lot. I, I know. They just let me go because they understand something else going on. She just she, she loves Maxwell. She loves Maxwell. It's a lot. <laughs> but she becomes obsessed. She becomes obsessed. <laughs> so they leave me alone. They like goddamn. Just one of us though. Who's going? They be having a lot of these. Who's going to do it? Who's going to go? Uh, you going to go this time? I, you will. It's on you. I'm not going. You going? <laughs> ah, that's what happens. That's what's going on with Adele. Sometimes you got the friend. You got to say, you know what? Hey. You know, I mean, I'm talking about a concert, but Adele's talking, this is life choices. (laughs) This is somebody giving up a full-ass bag, like a full-ass car. I ain't that crazy. Maxwell, Lenny, nobody, I like bags, so they can't make me give up no bags. I I wake up real quick with bags. I'd be like, shit, that that will undigmatize my husband. Anybody, you will undigmatize me when it comes to my, I'm a Virgo moon. My bag will undigmatize me. I'll be like, what, excuse me, my money, excuse me, what did you say again? I'm waking up then. <laughs> I can't play with my coins. I'd be like, later for Rich Paul's ass. I got to get my ass together. I got this uh, girl. He got. He had you crying on time. Uh, girl Caesar's Palace is on the phone, and they like if you. You got to perform tonight and everything. And it's a, this is a. This is, you get six hundred fifty thousand dollars personally to take home every night to you. Shit, I might be like rich. We get this shit straight later. I will talk to your ass later. I'm about to leave you. I'm about to go out here. Hey, that's that's how I go. <laughs> I'm terrible. I ever burn on moon. I will be count. I do be counting my coins. I'm like, nah, I can't give up the bag for his ass. Shit. Now, if I give up the bag for his ass, then his ass be out here acting up anyway. Now I'm gonna feel mad. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like, I done gave up six hundred fifty thousand dollars a night and come here to sit in this house with you and try to work it out and you about to go back to your own street. <laughs> you body make me I'd be on the ID channel. <laughs> I'd rather just go for my bag. <laughs> oh, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just how my placements are set up in the world. Oh my god, that's it, y'all. I will see y'all for part two in uh whenever. I don't know. It'll be this week, okay? I'm out. Y'all have a wonderful rest of y'all weekend. Remember, it's power weekend tonight, twelve midnight. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Power ghost, power book ghost, and right after that, Tommy the Force. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm I'm really excited. Seriously. I'm really excited. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we will talk about that and more we get uh, when when we have part two. Okay, I'm out. Y'all have a wonderful one, and we'll leave out with uh, let's see, what are we gonna leave out with? 
Oh, lucky day. You want my love. I'll see y'all. Bye. <laughs> Yeah.